Chris, I don't know about you, but I just got back from a hell, and my arms are tired. Ah, jokes. Hilarious, right? <sighs> Gonna be a long morning. Welcome to the No End Tier, the podcast uh, with Stephen and... Uh, I'm sorry, what was your name again? The good-looking guy. Well... Chris? <laughs> it's glad that you're good-looking, as no one can see you in this audio format. That's exactly why they have to take the, my word for it. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't either. How are you doing, Chris, today? I'm fantastic, and yourself? I'm doing well after reading through Descent to Avernus, uh, which is what we're going to be reviewing all today, so we're, I'm extremely excited about that. But before we get into it, I watched the GM Binder's Twitch Q&A last night, which is very interesting. Um, if For people that don't know, GM Binder is a great way of making a, a very beautiful uh, homebrew type stuff, or even like campaign documents or things of that nature that uh, can match up to like the player's handbook the dungeon master's guide or things of that nature and it's more than just for uh, dms and stuff like players can find it extremely useful as they can start finding homebrew through that and there's a bunch of like arthur profiles that you can uh, look through and find all the stuff that they've been working on like if you go to our dumpstat profile which i'll link in the show notes uh it's a fantastic place that you can find all of our homebrew in one site or one spot. And also, uh, GM Binder is doing a Kickstarter, which is also going to get linked. They have raised enough for just like the base of their Kickstarter, but they have a lot of stretch goals that are going to provide a lot more functionality, not just for the creators of GM Binder, but also for other users of GM Binder. You should definitely check it out as they have some sweet dice sets there that they you can do. pick up uh, for being a, uh, a backer. I agree. So, Definitely give them a shot. We love them. They're a fantastic thing that we use in almost everything that we do. And we couldn't really be doing what we do with without uh, their awesome stuff. And yeah. Are they awesome? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> one last thing before we get started. I want to thank Caleb, uh, one of our patrons. Uh, he sent me a bag of delicious coffee, uh, Onyx Coffee Lab. Uh, they're Southern Weather uh, Beans. Which is fantastic, and I think it's going to get me in a great mood to start talking about Hell. Yes. I or gotta... more specifically, Avernus, the first layer of Hell. And Caleb, thank you for the uh, giant D20, metal D20. Uh, it's going to serve two purposes. One, yes, I'll be able to see the numbers. Two, I'll be able to throw it at Steven and it actually hurt. So thank you. This is a horrible decision. <laughs> Avernus! Yes, uh, Descent into Avernus, Baldur's Gate came out. September 17th, uh, so we've had about a week, week and a half to read through it. And you mean last night? <laughs> for Chris, yes. Last night. He had last night to read through it. I got about halfway through and then realized I was halfway through. Yeah, uh, just as a um, as a heads up, spoilers, holy shit, all the spoilers coming out of this book. So if you're planning on being a player and you don't want anything um, yeah. uh, uh, like spoiled for you, I'm going to give you about 10 seconds, uh, just so you know. It is a cool adventure. You'll have fun playing it, but you should stop listening right now if you want to be a player and not have everything spoiled. Now? Yeah, yeah. So right uh, go ahead, hit hit pause, and um, now and go enjoy outside the beautiful day, unless you're stuck at work, in which case, think about going outside and be sad. So stop now. Yes, stop okay. now. Got it. Now. Uh all right, now here comes the first spoiler. Okay, it's too late. Can't yeah, stop. Sorry. Uh, Zariel is the big bad. Yeah. I don't know if that was actually a spoiler, but um, do you mean on the cover? <laughs> oh yeah, have, oh, she's not on my cover. Yeah, Stephen got the fancy. Yes, one. I have the fancy Avernus cover, and then Chris has the Every People cover. 
Uh, I also picked up the dice set that came uh, with it, which is a lot of cool things, and I'll um, I'll uh, talk about that later. Now, just a heads up: we will not be reviewing the last fifty-three pages of Descent to Avernus oh because it's fifty-three pages on Baldur's Gate lore, and really, I think they could have done something else with that besides fifty-three mind-numbing pages about how edgy the city is and how like you have to be like super hardcore and edgy to survive or else you'll die because your worth your life is only worth like a handful of coppers at most and yeah it, it was just a bunch of you're not edgy enough to be an edgelord i didn't care for it in case you couldn't tell <laughs> wait did you didn't like it no amazingly so uh getting into the adventure the adventure is about a city known as el turel uh which used to be like a very holy city they're they're very excited about their god and stuff it gets sucked into the nine hells um thanks to its leader whose name escapes me thavius or something like that uh signed a contract with zariel that she would protect the city from a huge horde of undead attacking the city the the problem was that after like 60 years or something like that the city would then get sucked into the nine hells luckily thavius uh knew that ahead of time and left the city so that it could get sucked into hell and he wouldn't and he wouldn't be dragged into it he arrives in Baldur's gate and it is up to the adventurers to start going through Baldur's gate and locating uh, uh thavius and figuring out what's going on and why eturel was sucked into avernus uh that's going to take Exploring Baldur's Gate and getting into Avernus is going to take them up until about, uh, I think it's like level four, level five. Uh, yeah, level four, they should get to, um, Baldur's Gate and then off to Candlekeep. And then they will get plane shifted over to Eltorel in, uh, Avernus. Once they get to Eltorel, they'll be from like levels five to six, uh, working on getting Eltorel kind of squared away as squared away as it can be, basically finding, um, what, what accounts for leadership in the city and trying to get the citizens of it safe from the demonic horde that is uh, climbing up there. After that, they are well and truly in Avernus from level 7 to about th- uh, 12, 13, kind of depending on what adventures take place as they travel across uh, this hellscape. Do I need to be here? <laughs> yes. Uh, as I was going to say, Chris, Yes. before you rudely interrupted me, how do you want to start this? Uh, we have a basic idea about the story. Right. Uh, the beginning? No. Um, there's a few, a few key points, I think, uh, to discuss before we jump in. One, this is, you know, and I, I actually just look it up, looked it up. Um, but this is their first adventure in hell. There's Out of the Abyss, which has the word Abyss. Right, it's the Underdark. There's a lot of demons in it. Um, And I watched an interesting, it's on YouTube. I can't remember what the name of it is. We'll look it up and put it in the show notes. There's an interesting uh, interview with Perkins and the guy that basically did the story. God, I wish I could remember his name. Sam somebody. Yes, let's look it up. We have the books in front of us. Let's not be lazy. Story creators, Adam Lee, James Adam Lee. Picasso. It was Adam wow. Lee. Adam Stan Lee was Stan something. Good job. Yeah, I was wrong. Um, <laughs> and Adam Lee's a funny guy, by the way. <laughs> He's pretty dry. But, you know, Perkins basically went straight in and was just like, look, we hadn't done anything. We thought it would be a cool uh, a cool place to go. It seemed like the next logical step. <laughs> the, Of course, the... Uh, the interviewer's question was, you know, why do you hate players? And he's like, I don't hate players. I just like presenting them with 
challenges? Well, and- <laughs> but, but no, the best part was is that when Lee comes on, he goes, yeah, I hate players. <laughs> well, and, and I, I think a lot of people are going to think like this is a challenging adventure, mm-hmm. but like all the other, uh, Watsy adventures, it's not that challenging. Like right. it's, it, it's kind of scaled back on the difficulty. So if you want to make it really, really deadly, you're going to have to up the difficulty. Yeah. And that, and that was one of the things that, I mean, for, <laughs> for reading it, you're like, I'm, this isn't, I thought hell was going to be worse. Than this. Well, like, yeah. Cause there's a, there's a spot at the end of it where like the players like level 10 or level 11 and one of the year, like once a day encounters they get is, Eight CR quarter creatures attack them. I'm just what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it 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 didn't. I don't know. It. I liked it. I I. This is Stephen's been waiting for this for a while for me to just start railing on something. I really enjoyed this book. Um, Baldur's Gate. Meh. You know, I played the video games. I'm old. It, I see why they tied this in. Baldur's Gate three uh, is coming out soon, so I think that's why they put that huge. Uh, part on Baldur's Gate at the back, no problem with that. I wish it would have been on the Blood War personally. I mean, and and they will say that we covered that in Xanathar's. Fair enough. Mordekainen's in Mordekainen's. I'm sorry, maybe God, I'm the one that's Chris. tired. <laughs> Shut up. The uh, you know they felt that they covered it enough. I, I would have liked to see more, but I understand that. You know that gives them the opportunity to do almost like a whole. They could create a whole homebrew campaign right out of that if they wanted to. I mean, yeah. based around a Baldur's Gate, easy. Yeah, it, it, uh, for those that um, might have run Waterdeep Dragon Heist, it's kind of the same thing that you get at the back of Dragon Heist, where it's just a shit ton of information about this one specific city for like way more pages than it really needs. Yep. And some people really like that. I couldn't give two shits about the Forgotten Realms. I don't really care for the default setting for um, D&D 5e, just because I find it a, be- a very boring and generic setting. But I know a lot of people really, really like it, and I hope that you don't hate me too much for saying well, that. Well, no, you're a homebrew. Per- you're a homebrew person. You, you're a homebrew. Yeah, <laughs> you're create. I mean, you've created an entire world for most of your campaigns. Well, I think a lot of tables create their own world, exactly. so it's not really that impressive. It's just I think that putting that yeah, much I didn't content say it was impressive in- at all. <laughs> Good. I think putting that much content into the back of an adventure. Uh, and very specific towards one setting is a very big misstep when they could have done something a little bit more generic. Like, they could have talked about the different levels of the Nine Hells. They could have talked about the different levels of the Abyss. The, as your point uh, before, they could have talked a little bit more about the Blood War. As it is right now, we get, like, one, one and a half, two pages on what Avernus is like. We get no pages on the Abyss. And I think we got a paragraph on what the Blood War is. And even then, it was, yeah, it happened, and that's all we're going to say about it. And it's it's incredibly lacking for their first foray into the planes. Mm-hmm. If you don't count Curse of Strahd, Curse of Strahd is kind of a foray into the planes in a sort of way because the domains of uh, Dread uh, Barovia exists in the Shadowfell, but that's a bit of a that's a stretch. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's not, not really a stretch. A stretch. It's just a, a not not no one thinks of it as them going throughout the planes. So I think it was a big misstep on their part to dedicate 50 pages of it to a very setting-specific city that people probably don't care about that much, um, unless you're a super edgelord and you weigh your life and this full of copper pieces. I didn't like the city at all. <laughs> I <laughs> And I understand exactly what you're saying. I have no problem with it. But from a pure business standpoint and marketing strategy, it's exactly what they should be doing. It's a tie-in. Baldur's Gate is obviously a big deal for them right now, and they want to push it. 
plus the fact that Forgotten Realms is their default world. Everything takes place in Forgotten Realms, so they want to keep pushing it. Totally, I totally get it. Well, is then it, they should redo Sword Coast Adventures Guide because it looks hideous. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> so from from that standpoint, totally agree what they did with it, one hundred percent. Do I like Baldur's Gate? No, <laughs> personally, I, I wouldn't want to. I, I don't know if I'd be that interested in playing in a world, uh, a, a city adventure in Baldur's Gate. But I, I totally understand why they did it. But that's enough. Let's get into the actual book. Yes, chapter one is uh, your players are approached by uh, uh, Baldur's Gate people. Uh, apparently, there's a huge influx of um, uh, people running away from El Turel so that they can. Uh, <laughs> Oh my god, oh my god, the city's falling into there's a big hole. Okay, we got an adventure. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and there's like a bunch of refugees uh heading towards uh El tu- uh Boulder's Gate from El Turel and like the surrounding areas. And uh, your uh characters have to go and investigate. Not that uh, you'll get the reference, but so where was the Iron Fist during all this? See, he wasn't there to protect the city. You know, I know you're not a comic book guy. This reminds me very much of uh for those that actually watch the canceled Marvel series on Netflix, Iron Fist, when he comes back and the whole city's gone because he's the whole, yeah, I mean, it's literally gone because he wasn't there protected. This is kind of what it's like. I mean, literally, whole city gone. Yeah. Well, uh, the, I, I, yeah, I don't get the reference. <laughs> um, it, it sounds like comic book stuff. It so. is. Okay. I, I have listened. Oh, God. Uh, so the characters are pressed into service by the Flaming Fist, which is like the mercenary guard group of Baldur's Gate, and they are hired to go destroy uh, a bunch of cultists that are just killing people uh, wantonly through the streets, uh, which somehow leads them to <laughs> uh, going through a bunch of shenanigans and eventually finding out the reason why El Turel was sucked into hell. Because there was a bad guy. Yes. Uh, and if <laughs> I was reading through this first little bit and like the first uh, like things that they have to do is like they have to go into the sewers and oh, looks like we're yeah. doing water deep dragon high stuff again, <laughs> which is a little unfair. I might, uh, I-, I suppose, but it, it very much feels um, like kind of like a retelling of different kind of things. And but they just reflavored it with now instead of its gang members, it's now cultists. Well, I mean, yeah. But and there's a, how much? I mean, can you really get that original for everything? No, there's going to be pieces of everything. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm being unfair there. But like, you start out in a tavern. Oh, look, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. You start out in a tavern. <laughs> Doesn't every adventure start in a tavern? People are literally yeah. adventurers are born in taverns. Yeah, uh, but it's a. It, I feel like in this uh, adventure, they tried really, really hard to push hard into role-playing, but also have a ton of combat. And I've got to say, like, the first couple of levels, if you have a group that doesn't really care for combat, this is going to be a slog. Yeah. Because uh, it's like, oh, hey, here's one dungeon. Now go over to this other dungeon that's in the sewers and kill, you know, these different 20 encounters. And then go over here and do this. And it's... It gets to be a bit of a slog, even just reading through it. My eyes are starting to glaze over, where it's just like, this room has three cultists. They will attack immediately. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, great. No, I, and it's, it's interesting because, and I marked it off, uh, when we get to that spot, if I can remember where I put it, they make specific mention of, and I think it's with the infernal machines. Like, this is theater of the mind. A lot of they they stress in a couple places that this is to be played theater of the mind. You can't do this with minis 
Don't try to. It's too hard. It'll bore the shit out of you. It, it makes no sense. Oh, you see, in you all s- of those spots, I was like, I really want more specific rules so I can yeah. do this with minis. I know. It, it's role-playing. They, they really want to appeal to the... They really want to appeal to both sides of the equation in this. They know that role-playing, the people that role-play now are about 50-50 with us old go into a dungeon and slaughter things. Where'd you get that statistic from? I made it up in my head right now. Oh, okay. I would say that the population of role-playing specific players has been growing with 5th edition. I would not agree with that because I see a bunch of old fart grognards complaining that people are role-playing with two L's instead of role-playing with one L and an E. So what? Roll as in R-O-L-E and then roll as in R-O-L-L. So one group R-O-L-E roll like is dice. more... No. <laughs> L-E like is rolls. You're assuming your with character's butter. persona and things of that nature. I know. R-O-L-L is... Rolls with butter. Min-maxing characters. Right. God, you're old. <laughs> Anyways, I just think that they did a good job appealing to both sets, both types of players in this uh, in this book. Yeah, you see, I think I would cut out if I was going to run a group of players through this. I would, uh, I really like the idea of doing the starter adventure. Uh, so, like, Lost Minds of Fandelver have some reason for them to be in Elturel, and then have Elturel get shot into Avernus. Oh, okay. And I think that would be way more exciting than this first bunch of, yeah, you're in an edgy city, and you're going to go down to the sewers and kill death cultists. So you just don't like Baldur's Gate. It's yeah. just not doing it for you. I guess so. Okay. Baldur's Gate doesn't do it for me. Uh, their adventure that they created for Baldur's Gate doesn't do anything for me. It's like, oh, cool. We have to go to like 500 different places and go talk to someone. And that's going to be a running theme for me, at least, in this entire adventure is, hey, we have to go run into 500 different places, talk to one person, and then go somewhere else, talk to a different person, go somewhere else, and maybe 20 more times and we'll finally be at the end of this yeah journey there's Um, a lot of that i'll give you that yeah they also have a problem of doing mid dungeon level ups which i have no idea how they want that to work like does everyone just regain their hit points is there like a bright flash of light and everyone like like a video game and everyone's just like i have new powers i know kung fu (laughs) um i was actually going to ask you about that so i like the video game analogy (laughs) yeah i i hate mid dungeon like i don't mind um because when you're in hell and you're level up what the, yeah. What? <laughs> I don't mind, you know, players leveling up um, after like a long rest or like even sometimes a short rest if things are going uh, uh, specific like. But just saying like, you know, like you walk down a set of stairs and your character should level up now. It's like, what? <laughs> are you going to provide like information like anything? The way I've always done it at these specific situations um, is your maximum HP uh, increases, but your current hit points do not. Anything that you get back on a long rest, uh, you do not have. Uh, if you want any, or anything that you get back on a short rest or a long rest, you do not currently have until you take a short or long rest. Um, so like if you got more spells, then you don't get those slots, but you do have them available if you take a long rest. Or, you know, if you're a, a fighter and you get action surge, it resets on a short rest. So you're going to have to take a short rest before you can get it. But anything that just happens, like a, a cleric will start getting an extra D8 to their attacks at like 7th or 8th level. And so like you would automatically get that. Oh, well, I mean, I okay. I just Or always, a new cantrip, then you would get that. I just thought of, always assumed, and it's probably because, of the you know, you've been my DM for a while now, is that 
okay, yeah, you're going to level up. Do you want to take a long rest? <laughs> and we're always like, yes. <laughs> Are you in the middle of the battlefield? Don't care. Someone cast, Some we need a giant hut or a magnificent mansion or something. We just want to crawl in and take a nap. We'll, we'll deal back. with the consequences <laughs> later. We'll come back out and fight eight <laughs> hours from now. I just thought that was the way it worked. Uh, uh, the uh, battle has still been raging for eight hours, except now it's just two people yeah. left. Great. And they're just like weakly slapping at each other. <laughs> and then we're just like, okay, so we're in the battle. Can we get more experience? <laughs> All right. So before we go any further, I was gonna. I, I wanted to. Uh, uh, we can put it in two parts, but at the very beginning of the book, so I wanted to touch on it. I loved where they the role playing of the devils. Demons are easy. We are psychotic creatures. Like they kill everything. We, we, mm-hmm. you are looking at you. You are the demon. Looking Got at it. you. Right. Devils is a whole section on uh, role playing devils, and they do a lot of different. They give you a bunch of different traits on how to play them, I and it's. It's fun. The devils gives that on. This is on page eight. It gives the DM, I think, a lot of flexibility and, and, and encouragement to just play cool ass characters as devil, cool ass uh, monsters as devils with you know the, the charm, patience, deviousness, fear of demotion, civility. I mean, you're just having a grand old time. Now I can think of one in our campaign that's like that's a th- except I think he's a demon. No, he's a devil. Um, that's how you play them now. It, I think it just, it, right there in the beginning, it says, hey, DM, have some fun. Fuck with your players. Oh, yeah. don't worry. We don't like players, but enjoy yourselves doing this campaign. Be mischievous. Don't just be the DM murder hobo because you have demons and they're just swarming and trying to kill everybody. The next page goes on to talk about life in hell. <laughs> life in the nine hells. Everyone's unhappy. Everything's awful. <laughs> and, this, yeah. and this is, one of two pages on what it's like to be an Avernus. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> just, yeah. I love the title. The first thing is everyone's unhappy. It's just like this place sucks. Everything, everything's awful. In case you missed the first title, everything sucks. I mean, yeah. they're just straightforward with it. It just made me laugh, and I was like, this is actually good. Yeah, and it's not a pleasant place. And like they they specify that, and like NPCs that show up in Avernus, like they're miserable. Like, yeah, why the hell are we here? <laughs> I know. Um, I just wanted to point that out. I like that right in the beginning of the book. I thought it was a. Uh, I thought it was fun. It was like, hey DM, have fun. Hey players, you're going somewhere that is really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> and going on with the beginning of go, uh, going back to like the first adventure. Mm-hmm. Sorry, this is something new that they're going to be doing. I, I assume that they're going to be doing in their books. They're at least trying it out in this, where they have stat blocks on the page for specific encounters which is really handy so like you know if if you're reading through the adventure and you're at a point where there's like a specific npc like uh this one's duke the lamra van thamper van i I don't know how to say her name but her stat blog is right there next to the room that she is currently occupying which makes it really handy when you're running this adventure uh to to be able to look at her stat block when you need it the only problem is I have had tons of issues where I'm like, oh, yeah, they had a really cool stat blog in here. I just don't remember where it yeah, was. Exactly. And this is just me talking to people. And I have like, you know, 15 minutes, like flipping through the book, trying to remember where that one Tiamat stat block is. And it's I really like the idea of putting these stat blocks on the page. But 
I also would love the stat block to be in the back of the book where I can easily find it for future reference. Or if there was like some sort of um, index in the uh, in the creature stat blocks yeah. in the back of the book that specifies, hey, you can find these creatures on this page. Yeah, that you would can be find cool. this creature on that page, and it's just it would make my life a lot easier because. When I get adventure books, I'm really excited about stat blocks and being able to use them in my own games and not really re- running the adventure itself because a lot of people in my own group already have the book, either because they're running it for another group or because they are also interested in reading them. So I can't really run adventures from the books because it doesn't work well for my group. Yeah. No, and I I see your point. And it's it's the like the way that I felt about you know, buying the 5e player's handbook and then going to look up spells in the back. Spells now are listed alphabetically. alphabetically. All Just, of them together. Right. Mm-hmm. Before it was, you had your wizard spells before by Before he means 2e. Yes. Back before there was electricity. Yes. You know, it would be wizard spells by level. And yeah. I just got used to looking them up that way. So now I'm just sort of like, oh, yeah. they're all grouped together. It's just a different way of doing it. There's pluses and minuses to both. Well, the minus to this is I can't fucking find the stat block yeah, that true. I want. <laughs> now, if you get this on D&D Beyond, you don't have that issue. Right. Um, but if you're just getting like a hard book, it's just like, God, where where is Sergeant Puffy Pants? I can't find his stupid stat block. So uh, running the game, the stat blocks is easier for uh, just reference, it's yeah, not. Yeah, general reference, it's kind of annoying. <laughs> or at least I see it as being annoying, and in my, like, a week of having this book, it's been a little annoying. So an appendix in the back, just with yeah. all, all the NPCs and page numbers, boom. Yes, and I, I think that would fix the problem in future uh, prints of the book. Behind there, it. Um, and then before we truly move on to um, El Torel and Hell and stuff, uh, magic items all throughout this first adventure where your players are level 1 to 4... Um, there's a pl- uh, there's a couple of plus one magic items all before you get to hell, and it's just like okay, I'm really s- I really have to wonder at the the what they're thinking in Watsy because Five E <laughs> was designed to have like you don't need magic items to um to for if you're going to hell you sure combat, as fuck do. Yeah, well like. <laughs> The adventures are, uh, 5e was written with the idea that you don't need magic items. And yet they're constantly throwing in magic items everywhere. Like plus one items here and there. And it's just, uh, maybe I'm doing it wrong in my adventures. Maybe, you know, like maybe they are supposed to have these plus one magic items. Like they, they keep talking about how you don't need to introduce magic items in there, but then they just give you a ton of magic items at really low levels like this was true in the starter set um and yeah. it's true in like every adventure they put out by the time that your characters are level four probably one or two of them are going to have a plus one weapon or plus one armor well i think i agree with you on that point i'm tired of agreeing with you say something stupid um uh i, I agree <laughs> don't 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 because <laughs> it's going to be insulting me <laughs> immediately you got to my decision players like magic items yep. they'll bitch if they don't get them plus in an adventure like this the starter kit's a different a different beast but when you get to hell a lot of the creatures are going to start having immunity to non-magical attacks you're gonna need a magic weapon yeah so they kind of have to give it to you Right? Well, no, they don't have to give it to you. Be, the the fact that they have resistance to non-magical attacks is what makes them stronger. When you remove that, you are basically like 
their resistance uh basically like almost doubles their like their actual hit points because they can take more damage from your fighters and your rogues and those type of creatures when you remove that resistance they're like 100 hp does not go as far when they have no resistances than 100 hp when you have resistance to non-magical weapons i get that is that and again i don't you read the book differently than I read. <laughs> Obviously, you love stat blacks. You love mechanics. I read the story. So, which probably means I should actually really read Baldur's Gate a little more depth. <laughs> um, is the, are the battles then, are the, let's say, is the CR for the creatures then adjusted for the fact that they have magical items? No. So it's like, just an easier fight. There was a fucking like, single encounter noticed, like, in the day where it's like eight CR quarter creatures attack a level 10 party. And it's like, well, why? At that point, why? Okay. All right. And it wasn't even like a random encounter. It was like a set encounter in the story. And it's just like, this is ridiculous. Why Why is this encounter even in there? Like, right. is it just to pat out the book or what are we doing here? Let's go to hell. Well, I'm not yet. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh, before we go any further, the artwork is unbelievably good in this book yes light years ahead of all the other art in my oh opinion. yeah the artwork in this book is amazing i wish uh and and also like uh ghost of salt marsh had really good artwork mm-hmm. didn't have as much artwork um and a lot of it was uh there there wasn't as much of it but avernus really doubles down on its artwork budget now there are a couple of like reused art assets uh there's like a a devil summoning thing in the back of Avernus that I remember seeing in Mordekainen. There's um, uh, character portraits that I've seen throughout a yeah. bunch of their adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little sad they didn't grab that one dungeon from Storm's King Thunder where it's like you go into a cave and there's like all the goblins in there, which they have reused like 30 times <laughs> over the course of its lifetime. Um, and it was in like the D&D next uh, uh, test adventure and stuff. But yeah, like there's a lot of really good art and a lot of new art for yeah. this, and it's just a very beautiful uh, uh, read I, through. And yeah. it's like I really want to get some sort of file from Watsu where I can like have like high quality artwork. Which I think if you get through D and D Beyond, you can get like that artwork. Uh, you have to do a little bit of work where you have to like open it in a new tab and stuff, but like just being able to show it to the player so that they have a, right. a, like they can also enjoy this artwork. Right. Um, cause it, 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 artwork goes a long way in the production value of something. And we, we both, we both know, I mean, we create via Dumpstat a lot of different things and we are still creating a lot of, uh, new and exciting things. When we put art on, like our, with our blog posts, art, I think, attracts people to, our site in a adventure it's not just a throw-in it's important it gives value you can now visualize what they're talking about and for me it's something that i really appreciate i really think it's it was needed and i think they did a fantastic job on it yeah well it's a lot easier to look at a piece of art than to read three paragraphs describing the artwork well it also art i get why they're just doing it now because art's fucking expensive yeah (laughs) Um, Anyone who wants to draw wands and rings for me, just uh, drop us a line because I need a whole bunch of magic items. Thanks. Yeah. So after the party kills off the death cultists, they then uncover the plot that they have to uh, uh, about how Elturel was sucked in to the Nine Hells because uh, the leader signed a pact uh, with Zariel who provided what was called the Companion, which is just a planar stuck in like a 
globe and it killed off undead and stuff. After 60 some odd years, they got sucked into nine hells because, uh, none of the citizens realize that the pact that they all have to sign to like the companion in the sky is actually them signing their soul over to Zario. Uh, so once the party figures that out, they then, um, are, they have to find a wizard who then plane shifts them onto Eturel, uh, to Eturel. Wait, there's a pronunciation guide on the first page. Yeah. Let me see. Uh, da, da, da. oh, they don't provide a pronunciation guide for Eturel. All right, good. <laughs> oh, we'll go with that then. Yeah, Eturel. Um, I, I apologize to any Forgotten Realm buffs and, that I'm butchering this name. Uh, they get, plane shifted into the city and the first thing that happens is like they see demons and devils all around them uh because they are truly in fact in avernus uh the wizard that plane shifted them with them does like the weirdest series of of magic spells that i couldn't figure out and it makes me think watsy doesn't actually know how spells work (laughs) Because he plane shifts there, and he's using the Archmage stat block. So plane shifts is a level 7 spell. He also has a level 8 and a level 9 spell. Now, it does specify, and I'm going to get really into specifics here. It does specify that level 8, like they precast Mind Blank on themselves every day. So he still has his 9 level spell slot. They specify in the book he uses that to cast his spell Time Stop. He then casts Fly and then hides away in a building for twenty uh, for 24 hours so he can get a long rest. But that's not how spells work. He could just cast Plane Shift at ninth level and take himself out of Eltorel immediately. And the same amount of time it takes for him to cast Time Stop, he could have just cast Plane Shift and gotten out. So it was weird that they spent like two paragraphs describing that he's going to cast Time Stop on himself and then cast Fly and then he's going to find some sort of building to hide in and blah, blah, blah. When it's just, he could just immediately cast Plane Shift and get himself out. So. Oh. I don't know why they chose to put in that much information about an Archmage and then proceed to not use him effectively in that him plane shifting himself back. Mainly because I think the players get there and they don't give a shit about the wizard anymore because they're like, oh, God, why are we here? Yeah. Well, it's like like the moment they show up, he like it specifies like he immediately casts time stop on himself and disappears. And it's like, Why? <laughs> are you guys afraid you don't like the players going to try and cast counter spell on because you realize sure what's how horrible on. it is yeah it is just it seems like a weird thing for them to specify and draw out over several paragraphs when they could just be like he casts plane shift on himself at ninth level and disappears he's out one sentence done it just struck me as weird and from a mechanic standpoint it it, it hit me the wrong way. You think? Yeah. All right, keep going. <laughs> okay, so they are now in El Torel, which is like this uh, city that is slowly um, being dragged into the River Styx. For those that don't know, the River Styx is a massive river that uh, runs its way through the lower plains. So like Gehina, Carceri, uh, the Abyss, several layers of the Nine Hells, and a couple of others. And it allows demons and devils to wa- ra- wage this blood war. So the demons and devils can all use this river to go from one spot to the next, uh, from one plane to the other, and they can start fighting each other, killing each other, tearing each other apart. So this means that the first level of the Nine Hells, Avernus, is basically just this massive wasteland battlefield. And you can find demons and devils constantly fighting across it. Now, a lot of the combat's going to be sticking close to the River Styx, which is incredibly dangerous for all involved because River Styx is a very powerful uh, force and if you are even so much as just like touch 
the river sticks. That's bad. You are under the effects of a feeble mind spell uh, with a DC of 20 for every round that you are touching the uh, the the water. And if you fail it, then you are feeble minded and uh, you get one save after 30 days. If you fail that save, then you are permanently feeble minded. And the only way you can regain uh, your true nature is like a wish spell. So, Stephen, if I wanted to find out more about the Blood War, where would yeah, I go? Uh, thank you for asking, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> we just wrote a big article on the Blood War for a deep dive, the history of the Blood War. Um, and it's it has all the information you could ever want to know about the Blood War, which is more than the paragraph that you're going to get into the Avernus book. Uh, it, it describes how the conflict got started, how it's evolved over the different editions, and uh, along with a little bit of information about Avernus, the Abyss, and some of the key players involved with the Blood War. Uh, and like, we draw from that from uh, 2E books, 3E, 4E, and uh, the one 5E books that goes into the Blood War. So I'll put a link in the show notes. It's definitely an interesting read. If I can toot my own horn. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say thank you for doing that. You took the lead on that one, and it because it was oh my god, that was one of, that was probably the hardest one we've done. So okay, yeah, cool. So back to El Toro. Uh, the characters now have to go throughout this uh, destroyed city. There's a couple of like devils and demons that attack them. They have to go save some common folk, but they eventually arrive where there are uh, people uh, kind of mounting a bit of like a defense type thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are helping out the citizens, blah, blah, blah. They are still not really and truly on Avernus. I get that uh, Avernus is really, really difficult, and it should be higher-level characters that go down there. Uh, but it, it really is just like, if I was a character, I would be, like, frustrated. It's like, I'm level 7. Let me put my goddamn feet on the goddamn <laughs> hell. I just want to get my hell on. Um but it it's fine. It's a fine adventure. There isn't really anything super exciting about it. Uh, but eventually, like, they find the person who is in charge of um, the city. And they find a uh, a hollyphant. Uh, yes, your favorite, isn't it? God. Uh, it's, it's just a small flying elephant. But I do appreciate... <laughs> I do... I thought the same thing. I was like, hey, look, it's Dumbo. Yes. <laughs> but I appreciate it at the very end of the book. And we'll get to that when we get there because uh, our buddy makes some changes. So I I, I I came over that once I got to the very yeah, end. I, it, it's fine. It's just a uh, an NPC who has lost all of her memories. She, uh, again, spoilers, she uh, was with Zariel when she was still part of the Celestial Host. Uh, but she... Um, she lost all of her memories when Zariel's sword was... I feel like I have to... Cut her hand re- off. One. Yeah. Zariel's hand was cut off. Uh, and Zariel was getting overrun by devils that were attacking her. And so she sent her trusted friends Yale. Yale? Y-A-E-L. Yep. And Lulu the Hollyphant. Uh-huh. Sigh. Um, <laughs> they have a lot of good names. That one just doesn't work for me. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and so uh, they were sent off with the sword so that evil could not have the sword. Right. Uh, they um, find a abandoned spot in Avernus, and Yeel, Yeel, Y-E-A-E-L, gives up her life uh, and creates, like, this beautiful, uh, radiant palace of light in the middle of Avernus with, like, the sword at the center of mm-hmm. it. No fiends can enter there or else it'll be destroyed, things of that nature. And eventually, like, it becomes lost. Lulu um, kind of loses her mind from all this and uh, has her mind kind of broken. And she wanders across Avernus before uh, a person finds her, splashes some 
feeble mind, river sticks juice all over her, and she has no idea who she used to be. Yeah. But over the course of the adventure, she slowly uh, gets back her memories um, and kind of guide and is like the guiding force of the players and is what guides them throughout Avernus. Yep. No. Uh, um. Yeah. So five second. Uh. Five second history on Blood War and how Zarya got there. Zar and this was actually something they developed in this book. So mm-hmm. we had we did not include that in our article, but I found it interesting. Okay, Zariel, Archangel, pissed off. Rest of the people won't come down from the high and above. Mount Celestia, right? Won't come down. Wipe out these demons and devils. Pretty confident they they got off their little thrones. They could. So she sits around. She gets frustrated. She gets frustrated. She's like, "Screw this!" They have the backstory in the book. We'll get to that later on. The her tipping point of why she actually goes down there. She goes to El Torel. Recruits all the hell. They call themselves hell riders. Hell riders. Fact, Why do I say hell riders? She recruits all these these yeah. hell, the hell riders and opens up the portal and goes down. She's like, "We're gonna wipe them all out." Well, one of them is just like, "Oh, the portal opens." He looks. He goes, "Ah, oh, fuck no!" Closes the portal. They betray him. That's uh-huh. his whole reason of the of the people behind Artiel. Part of the reason why they kind of deserve to be in hell. Zariel then doesn't have half of her troops. She fights valiantly overrun asmodeus looks at her and it's just like i should kill you but you know what i'm pretty impressed so i'm gonna make you an, ar- an arch devil down here and you can run a furnace and she's just like yeah i've been corrupted okay cool i'm down with that yeah and morning kind of lightly touches on that yeah. and then also jeremy crawford and laurie chanel on the dragon plus podcast uh has talked a good bit about hell riders and zario mm-hmm. and stuff leading up to this adventure so i actually knew a little bit about that stuff because i for uh, yeah for those of us that don't dig that deep this is the this <laughs> is the book that bridges the gap so there you go that was my five second synopsis all right, uh, so that was more like thirty seconds. All right, so now we're running around uh, RTL. Yeah. We found the person we're supposed to talk to because we talked to a lot of people. Now where are we, Stephen? Uh, so now the players have to find some way to get off Elturel. There are like these massive chains linking it to Avernus, so they can just climb down the chains. And if they fall, they're going to fall either into the river sticks and die Bad. and drown, <laughs> or they're going to fall into a uh, huge mosh of devils and demons and the book just says look if this happens they're just dead have them make a new character <laughs> so the monk is just like I don't care that I'm only 5th level I can fly and he starts falling he's just like well if the impact doesn't oh, hit me no. I'm yeah. jumping into devils well, uh, they'll be 7th-ish level so like they climb down like they find some way to climb down the chains uh, you know the wizard can cast fly uh, the fighter has a good enough athletics to make the check easily they descend down, and Lulu the Hollyfant uh, is like, "Hey, I think I know where we should go. There's a couple of Kenku that saved me. That we should go talk to them and see if they can uh, help." And so you guys, uh, and so now the it now starts as they start traveling through Avernus. Uh, the first stop will be a Fort Knucklebone where they uh, can impress the Avernus warlord there. Uh, and get their hellish machines so that they can start driving around Avernus so they're not just walking. This is my favorite part of the book. Uh, the war machines? The well, this, Or the, the hag. The, the ha- Mad Maggie <laughs> the hag, the cast of characters goes along with them, and the introduction of the Infernal Machines. Yeah. There's a lot of fun like role-playing for like uh, the, the character's first true experience on mm-hmm. Avernus, where there's like red caps... That have been corrupted by demon Ikor, so they're called madcaps, and they're like crazy fae. I know. <laughs> I mean, the picture of the madcap, you're like, 
Oh my god! And then they go on to say, "Oh yeah, there's there there there's you know they're worse than red caps." You're like, "Uh, that that's just wrong." Yeah. So it, it's kind of a fun thing because there's a couple of things that you can do throughout Mad Maggie's um, place before you dive into Lulu and recovering her memories because that's what Mad Maggie is very into is mm-hmm. finding out more information about Zariel because Mad Maggie is. Uh, one might call it obsessed about celestial creatures falling from grace. I'd say it's obsessed, but sure. Uh, and, uh, Jesus love the train of fact. My, tr- fuck. <laughs> My train of thought was ruined because I couldn't remember what word I said. <laughs> but she is obsessed with, uh, figuring out, um, uh, or, Tracking the progress and learning more about how good creatures are corrupted by the nine hells, which is like, sure, why not? Yeah, that seems like good, good yeah. as any reason. Mainly Zariel. She's yeah. all about Zariel. I, I think the part of, there's two reasons I liked this section the best out of the entire book. One, your first introduction to characters physically on Vernus. Yep. Before you're in the city, you're still tech, you're in hell technically, but you're not, you're still in a city. Yeah, you're several hundred feet above Vernus. Yeah. You're, you're not getting you, the full effect. You get down on the ground, you're like, this is a really horrible place and I don't want to be here. <laughs> the first characters that you meet up with aren't demons that are trying to fucking kill you immediately. There are, there are NPCs that get to be role played. Mad Maggie's not a bad person. Yeah, she's a, <laughs> she's a bad person, but she doesn't try and kill you. Let me rephrase. Yes. She's a she's really bad person. She's a really bad person, but she, her her goal is not to kill you. Yeah. I mean, it goes in there like, yeah, if you kill a couple red caps, she might not like it, but she probably doesn't give a shit because she doesn't really like them anyways. Yeah. All the, and you know, like the Kenku, they're there for you to help them, for them to be like, you guys are great to pass that along to Maggie to give you a cooler machine. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I think, what a player... Not all players, but I think a majority of players, especially new players, are going to think about what happens when you land in hell and you're just going to be overrun with bad, bad things. It yeah. opens up and they make it a very interesting opening. And I really, really, I yeah. really thought that was great and I enjoyed it. And they definitely tried a lot harder in this adventure to bring out those really cool role playing moments. Mm-hmm. And as we get further along, um, I think it's going to be a bit of a negative. Uh, the amount of role playing they're trying to drag out into this yeah, adventure. I, uh, you might know what, what what part of it I'm talking about. <laughs> I do, and I'm more of a I'm a old school hack and slash guy. I like this because it is yeah. role playing. But at a certain point, as you're getting closer to the big bad evil guy, start fighting more. So he's kind of my thought process. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways. there's not a whole lot of conflict Mm-mm. in Avernus for a place dedicated to conflict. Yeah, it's you know at some point you should probably run into a lot yeah. of bad guys. So we have Lulu's dream quest in the same chapter, which gives I kind of rolled my eyes at that. Some it gives us some background. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of dream shit in this. Yeah, there really is. They're doing a lot of acid or peyote. Um, so it's okay. I mean, it gives you the next storyline, which you need. But you are introduced to the Infernal Machines. Yes. Which I did not think I would like when we first started talking about them. I'm like, oh, this is like ruining the game. It's like 
guns in D&D. And then I started reading them, just like, oh, I still don't know how to get behind it. Then I started reading some more. I'm like, ah, oh, they're pretty cool. And then I was thinking about all this homebrew. And I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Yes. Now <laughs> I really want, like it. Yeah. I want one. These hellish machine, hellish engines are basically like they're, they're combined like Mad Max into D&D, mm-hmm. um, which some that's, people may like, some people may yeah. not. But and that's the reference everybody uses for them. And I think it's well, a fitting one. Yeah. And, that, and that's the reference that they were going for at the beginning mm-hmm. when they first announced it. They're like, imagine if you were like, Mad Max, but in hell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, but it, they're cool. Um, they provide a lot of information. There is not enough crunch in the system for my liking. I can see that for for you personally. I can totally see that. That is the section where they are very specific on. Don't put this on a grid. Yes, do it all theater it's of the theater mind. Theater of I'm the just mind. Like, I want to. Well, no, because I was reading through it and I was like, I can already fix this. Of course Give you me a couple of days and I'll I'll get something together for that. It's harder to do it from your standpoint, Mechanics Boy, but for a player, it allows you to just think up the craziest shit. Have you ever seen the new Mad Max? Number one, when I first saw the movie, I was like, I got done. I was tired watching it. I was like, holy shit. Well, no, no, like... <laughs> All the time I'm reading about the Hellish Machines, all I can think of is, like, my players, like, finding, like, Demon Ichor, drinking it because it, it fucks with your system, but it can give you some good it's things. Nice, it's nitrous. Screaming, witness me, and jumping from their machine to another machine. Yes! Yes, that's exactly what we want to do! That's exactly what I was going to say! Because all you're doing is you're just like, hey, there's nitrous. What happens if I take nitrous? They're going to be leaping to other machines. They want to be fighting demons you that just, are crawling on the machines. Watch Mad Max. That's all they do in the fucking movie. The fucking bards are going to get up there on its loot and try playing yes! power metal as yes! they're driving through Avernus. Exactly. That's what everybody wants to do in this. And you can't do that. It, when you're trying to do it on a grid, no, you, can, you can easily do it on a grid. It's 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 like it's not as much fun. No, it's <laughs> plenty of fun. It's just it Don't allows my fun. <laughs> It just allows a bit more uh, of a, not even like a realistic take on it, but it, but it does put, I think it better shows where cars are in relation to where you're going to be. And I know I'm, I'm probably going to be the minority on this where I want a bit more crunchier rules with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I often lament to, to some of my players that I, I'm probably a Pathfinder player at heart, yeah. but you guys aren't. And so I'm kind of stuck with 5e. And I've told you I'll play Pathfinder. Which doesn't have enough for it. Yeah, but you wouldn't stick to Pathfinder. You'd get so fucking annoyed. You'd be like, I don't understand this. Why are we doing this? Well, it'd be one of those. I just want to roll two dice and get this over with. Yeah, it, 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 it's definitely a game for mechanic crunchy, uh, dice rolling people. But I, I I get your argument, but I also know the player's mentality. Players just want to do this crazy shit all the time. Yeah. And the best part is, is it goes back to the old story. You know, oh, make a charisma check. Oh, well, I say this. All right, asshole, you want to jump car for car? We're going to park him outside and make a fucking dex check. <laughs> Let's see it. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll still run this like theater of the mind with that type stuff. I just, I wish it had a little bit more crunch to the engines because right now it's, it's very just like, scarce rules and i'm already thinking well what if this happens well now i have to think of something i could get behind on the you know you could put the positioning of the vehicles i can get that so you position the vehicles and then say they come together and you have you have one of the bigger machines you have four people in a machine 
Once they're together and it's your turn, what do you want to do? Now you're acting theater of the mind. You're saying all this goofy stuff about how you're jumping car to car and blah, 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 blah. You do it for the actual vehicles, but for the player interaction, it definitely has to be theater of the mind. Anyways. Yes. Well, and we can talk about the hellscape engines or hell engines Great a little bit later. Great picture there oh, of yeah. the warlords of Avernus. It's fucking Maggie standing on top of her uh, engine with Mickey hanging on. Like, yeah. Fucking yeah. Like artwork. Get this fucking book just for the art. It's pretty fucking badass. <laughs> yeah, like I kind of just want. Um, I just want whoever they did like the artist, uh, the artist that did all this. Uh, there's a couple, and they specified in the back because the back of the book there is an appendix where it's just like concept art, um, and they talk about how like this helped fuel like their uh, the story of the thing. I kind of just want an entire like 200 page book of just artwork of the nine hells in avernus and things of that nature they probably could they probably have a lot of old stuff and they probably make a lot of money on it so this is an this is one of the few this i highlighted some stuff but this is definitely one something that i wanted wanted to make sure i said to you page 90 this is where i expected you to get and the book breaks you and you're just like i'm not doing this because on page nine at the bottom, it says Infernal War Machine Combat. And it talks about theater of the mind. And the very last line in that section is, keep it fun and fast pace. And push the rules aside when they get in the way. <laughs> it's just like, I was waiting for you to just text me and be like, nope, not doing this anymore. Nope, uh-uh, can't. Nope, that's wrong. Sorry, done. We're not doing the review. Well, no, it's I, I don't have a problem with keeping it fast and fun. It's just... I just want a little bit more crunch in there because I want to better understand the, the limitations of the machines and how they work and things of that nature. And it becomes less a, oh, I'm just coming up with something on the spot and, you know, you players can't do anything about it because I'm the DM. Ha, ha, ha. It is my will that controls all. And there's no rule saying I can't fuck you guys over. So, yeah, you're uh, you're not as evil as a DM as you think you are. I'm just saying, I just wish there was a bit more crunch, so it was a little bit, uh, like, there were more set rules that we could all agree to. Sure. Continue. Yes, continuing, finally. Um, so the story continues. You leave Mad Maggie's in your new shiny war machines, and you guys go off across the plains to um, the next spot that Lulu's hazy memories reminder of, which is Harman's Hill, where you get a little bit more information about Zariel and things of that nature, and... Lulu's like, oh, I guess this isn't where the sword is either. And that's going to be something uh, yeah. you're going to get hit with over and over in this adventure is, oh, I guess the sword's not here after all. Oh, I guess the sword's not here. Huh, weird. Well, I have another memory we could go to. It's their way to be able to pad it out over and over using the same one-trick pony. Yeah, they do need to come up with a couple different reasons why, like, you could be walking in that direction and run into one of these scenarios, but they wanted you to make sure that you're covering Avernus, I going to different places of Avernus. fucking annoyed me the entire... So, once you get to a specific spot in Avernus, you have two different choices. You can either go down what they call the Path of Demons or the Path of Devils. Each one has their own set locations throughout Avernus, and each one is going to be about a five-second role play, and then you have to go on to the next spot. Yeah, that, that I wasn't... I, what's your feeling on that? I, I hated it. Uh, for, for context, the Path of Demons. The characters have to travel across Avernus to what's known as the Spawning Trees. Here, they can find abyssal chickens. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I love that picture. Abyssal yes. chickens. Yes, abyssal chickens. And there is uh, a couple of devils, like, destroying a, a hordes of yep. demon chickens. And um, the devils don't know where the bleeding citadel is. 
but they do know someone who can help. Uh, if the players bribe them, they'll tell them to go visit a tower. At this tower is Mordekainen. He doesn't know where the bleeding citadel, where Zeriel's sword is, but he can tell them to go to a mage. The mage does claims to know where the bleeding citadel is, but he's going to need about five different things from the players first. First, they're going to have to go to a mirror. They're going to have to talk to Mephistopheles from one of the lower levels of hell and try to convince him to help them help out this one wizard who is actually a demon. So... Mephistopheles agrees they have to go do a dam at the River Six, but they don't even get to dam it up. They're going to get sent with an imp who will cause the dam, and the players are just there to watch. Anyways, the escort. They then go back to Mephistopheles. He's like, good job. He just has to do this. So then they go back to the, the previous mage that told them to go to Mephistopheles. They tell him what to do, and he's like, cool, you have to go here. So they go there. Once they get to this crypt of Hellriders, they're then told that they need to go to this other place. So they go to this other place, uh, and they have to unreally unleash some sort of demon person who's going to tell them where the Bleeding Citadel is. So they do that. They unleash him across Avernus, and he's like, all right, cool. You can go there now. And it's like, really? It was about 100 different steps talking to one person who says, I don't know where it is. Go talk to this person. So they go there. And then he doesn't know where it is. So they go to another place. And they don't know. But they bet that this other person would know. And so it's just constant. And as a player, I was reading this. I was just like, this is so frustrating. I don't feel like I'm doing anything. I feel like my hell engine is just spinning its tires in the dirt. And we're not getting anywhere. All right. So two things. One, I think it actually, this section truly proves the point that hell is the DMV. Because that's what you do in the DMV. You stand in line, you get in the line, they don't answer your question, you get in a different line. So I think that was part of it. Two, the only thing that really upset me about it was I felt that if you're going down the demon path, it just should be bloodshed. It just should be combat, find something on the body, move to the next place, combat, you know. Oh, you capture someone, he tells you this, combat, instead of, you know, this twisting of, oh, let's talk to people. Nah. Well, it's demons. They're going to fucking fight you. Kill some demons. Yeah, you can mix it up a little bit with stuff on bodies, capturing, freeing someone that they had captured, and get a little more information. But come on. It's fucking demons already. Fight, 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 fight. And then if you want to go the role-playing route, go the devil route. Because devils are going to fuck with you. And they're just going to have fun. And they're just going to mess with you the entire time. And that would be role-playing. Give us two options. Fight everything we can possibly fight. Or role play the shit out of it and go talk to a bunch of people. I kind of like that. Where like it specifies like path of demon. This is going to be more for yeah. parties that are more focused towards uh, combat and things of that nature. Path of devils. This is going to be more focused towards role playing. Yeah. I like that b- more uh, because right now it just feels like a bunch of filler that they just threw in here because they didn't yeah. know how to get the players from point A to point B <laughs> and do it like in an interesting way. Here is just hey. Uh, so <laughs> first thing you have to do is you have to go talk to this go to this tower in the middle of avernus all right now you have to go to a slightly different tower in the middle of avernus all right so that tower didn't lead to anything let's go to this other tower in the middle of avernus that doesn't that's not going to do anything for you and they just throw in Mordenkainen for like the path of demons yeah they throw Mordenkainen in there and i like Why? i saw like a bunch of people and even watching themselves are like ooh, there's going to be a surprise visit by someone cool and 
there were like people reviewing the book and they're like, and there's just really cool character there that the players are going to be able to meet. Spoilers. I won't say anything. It's fucking Mordenkainen. No one gives a fucking shit. But you don't even do anything. They've met him in Curse of Straw. Yeah. You meet Volos in a variety of different places. No one cares. But no one's gone. This was really exciting. We got to meet this one dude for five seconds. Exactly. I'm like, yay. Hi. Good to see you. I read your book. Pretty good. Yeah. And then move on. I, mean, I, did, I didn't understand that old thing. And there seemed to be a lot made out of it than there yeah. actually was. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, one second. I'm looking at my notes in this section. You're getting dragged everywhere. What a waste of page space. Uh, Mordekainen is useless. Why even include him? Just a stupid fan service that does nothing. And that's basically all he is. He shows up, and it's not even really him, because he has his simulacrum talking to you. And then he immediately goes, oh, I can't help you. Go talk to this other person. And then he's gone. He is no longer in the Avernus campaign. And it's just, why? <laughs> why? Name recognition. I guess. I don't know. Um, and they do something else where, uh, like, there's a some standing stones that you can, like, push your hands against, and you can summon... Uh, and like a bunch of different effects happen based off of what the stone is and you can summon a Modron and really it's just more fan service bullshit. Like, yeah. I, I wish that they wouldn't treat mono, mo- monodrones and flumps. Like they're just like the ugly stepchild where it's like, yeah, we'll throw them in there because several of our older community fans really like them, but they're not going to do anything. And there was a lot of that kind of thrown into this adventure where it's just, here's some stupid fan service to our old fans that doesn't do anything yep um but yeah so uh oh look there's another note about pointless filler (laughs) (laughs) just keep flipping pages please (laughs) so yeah uh that's the path of demons is you're going to be dragged all across avernus not doing anything surprise surprise path of devils very much like that right except instead of meeting mordekainen you meet archon the cruel um which is from turtle uh, Cruel is the turtle, mm-hmm. and then Archon the Cruel is a character um, I really only know him from Critical Role when Joe Manganiello uh, was uh, at the end of Campaign One was in there against the final big bad evil guy boss fight. Well, he was a consultant on this. Yes, uh, Joe Manganiello was a consultant for. Um, I don't know what if it they, was just his character or if it was like story at large. What did they give him? A, what was his actual? It was probably yeah, some does sort he of have creative. He does have a credit. I bet you it's like creative consultant or something. Uh, He's not story, story consultant. Story. Oh yeah, Jim Zub. I don't know who that is, but Joe Manganiello. Yes, he's a story consultant. Um, so basically, his character's in here, um, and can, he at least has more of a role than Mordenkainen does because yeah. um, if you make friends with Archon the Cruel, then you can have him help you with uh, some of the in-game type stuff, which which I actually enjoyed, and I thought that was a good way of introducing a um, a character with a little bit of name recognition. It doesn't really do much for me because I don't care that much about Joe Manganiello's character, but, you know, that's... If I had the chance to get my character was, into a into a D and D adventure product, I would fucking do it. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think uh, is if you got your name written as oh, yeah. story consultant on this, you'd be like, I'm done. Dro- yeah. Mic drop. I'm out. <laughs> well, think of that. What that might do for a website and podcast. Well, I was gonna say if that happened, you're not going anywhere because I'm monetizing the shit out of it. Yeah. Um. And then they also uh, do specify that the oh, world yeah. of Exandria and Forgotten Realms exists in the same um world. So. I, that was exciting for Critical Role fans, I guess. All right. Let's talk dragons all, for real quick. Dragons. All right. I love dragons. Okay. Who's also trapped in hell, Steven? Tiamat! Right. How do you feel about that? 
Uh, I mean, that goes along with her story that it she goes is trapped uh, into a kind of a corner of hell. Though I thought she was a little bit more trapped than what they imply in this book. But yeah, I, I thought she was like imprisoned, like can't do shit in prison. Yeah. But I was torn about this. I was super stoked to see see her in the book. Yeah. I like the stat block. I'm like, oh, a stat block. Like, uh, she's a little useless for my taste. Yeah. I, her stat block's a little useless. That's, I should specify. Right. That's where I was just like, and that's it's. this starts to happen now as we get later in the book. It wasn't as impressive as I wanted it to be. Yeah. I mean, I was waiting for this. I am a big badass. I am like, you know, I am, I am D&D history. I am Groot. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. I am Tiamat. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, so? Yeah. And I was just like, uh, it's not as bad as introducing Mordecai, where it's just like, hi, I'm famous. Fuck off. And it just disappears. And I assume puts on, like, shades, and there's like, yeah! yeah. Being shot across the Little guy uh, gives you uh, finger pistols, pew, 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 and then yeah. takes off. I mean, here there's actually some, it could be a critical part to the ending, but it just, I wanted to be wowed. I wasn't wowed. Yeah, I, I think that as a DM your work is going to be cut out for you when it comes to Path of Demons and Path of Devils. Like, mm-hmm. this section where you're trying to level up your characters enough for, like, the final in-game type thing. Because there just isn't any substance. It's just travel montage after travel montage. And really, your characters are going to get to use their hellish machines a lot. But I can't help but wonder... I can't... Yeah, I, I can't wonder if that it's going to be a detriment to this adventure that right you are constantly jumping into your machine having one encounter or two encounters on the way to the next thing jumping back into your machine having a counter or two on the way to the next thing that you're doing and it's just it, it becomes a drag and there isn't like a good area for your players to relax to walk around and enjoy the scenery and i don't mean relax as in like you know oh this is such a lovely place to visit this time of year <laughs> but i mean more of like stretch your legs do something more than just we're driving oh look we're driving but i think that's their excuse and we're driving <laughs> i think that's their excuse for being like okay you drive and you get somewhere and it's not all out battle it's like hey look at this cool place i think they get to stretch the legs there but, but I- they don't describe these cool places enough for that it's here's a paragraph about this place and then here's the person they have to talk to here's what the person's going to tell them now get the fuck out and go on to the next section well okay yes but at the same time i think that is part of how the books the direction the books are moving in where it's just like boop here's a piece damn it's on you yes and the the and and, and that's not a bad way to do it adventure right it's I, just i feel like it's different than strahd where strahd was just this encyclopedia of information that, uh well and it's different from the beginning of the book because the beginning of the book you have like more detailed information or the end of the book the with fucking Baldur's gate yeah like there so I you're, think feeling, it, you're feeling you're feeling that hell's a little hell's a little lackluster. I it just feels like hell is not a cohesive place, but just a bunch of little <laughs> things here and there. And okay. then the only way you can do it is if you drive in your car for two d six days. Yeah, that's annoying. You better get a lot of those soul coins, by the way. Yeah, and it's like oh. The nourishment here, you can find food, but it's not going to taste good. And, you know, don't worry about the exploration tier. We don't give a shit about it because who cares about it? And I, they, they drop the ball when it comes to exploration. Again, I think it's more of, I think a DM, I think that they want a DM when you're in one of these places. Now, I could be wrong because they, they do put in the fights you're supposed to have. But based on the things you're doing, unless you're doing milestones with for a lot of experience, 
you're going to have to come up with some fights in these locations. They're going to have to run into a lot more demons than there are here, or they're going to get to the end and they're going to be level seven. Yeah, well, and I that was something that I realized. Like, they just didn't have a really good random encounters things. Like, the end of Tomb of Annihilation, there is a wonderful section talking about random encounters that they could have. There isn't something like that in here. And Lord forbid if they removed one page of Baldur's Gate lore to put in interesting random encounters. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe it is milestone-based, then. I, I, well, that's my problem is I hate milestones. Yeah, I agree with you on that. But I mean, I would give uh, players experience for accomplishing story chapters, which in, in its own way is like you're kind of doing milestones at that point where it's like, you know, you're accomplishing stories so you're going to experience. <laughs> but it's nice with experience because uh, you, you can, like the players themselves can see their progression seeing, ooh, we're getting really far along in the store. We're getting more and more experience. And I won't turn <laughs> this entire episode into experience versus milestone no the reason i'm laughing is because you do both in our campaigns but you give us the numbers for the things we've killed and you're like oh here's your total and you're like and i guess i'll give you uh, blah 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 experience points for doing this it like almost causes you physical pain <laughs> to say that you're like oh that's not really enough well, experience yeah you got there okay here's some fucking well, no, uh, no no more it's like well you guys really finished this part of the story up that's because you murdered everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you get experience for murdering the story quest giver, but sure, why not? Yep, exactly. But yeah, uh, going on, there's like a couple of cool high-level CR demon things, but you don't really get to fight them. You just yeah. talk to them. That's the other thing, too. There's all these cool things, and there's... It's- yeah. I want to fight them. I mean, maybe I'm the problem in this uh, in this demographic where I really like combat. Role playing is cool. I enjoy role playing, but, but I'm like like if I had to pick one, I'm gonna like combat is going to outweigh it for me. And the designers of D and D know that because all the fucking abilities you get lend themselves to combat, not to role playing. <gasps> Look, there's a Romy encounter. I just happened to flip to it. I don't remember this. Yes, the one. Smiler the Defiler. Oh, God. It rhymes. <laughs> yes. Oh, um, just I'm ignoring that now. Sorry. And it, it's not even that powerful. No, it, he's a uh, he's an NPC that is trying to take down the other warlords, and you can help him out. Great. Yeah. Um, That'll so get the, to fight him? There's a couple of things in here. Um, oh, that page is really purple for some reason. I just flipped open to another random page, and like all the other pages the ones are white, that are and then too. it's just purple. No, that's weird, yeah. I, they they were a little heavy on the ink on that page. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it, there's a couple of cool different things that you can do. There's a traveling emporium, um, Mahadi's traveling, uh, wandering emporium. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a chance for players to find a bit of civilization here and relax a little bit and not be constantly attacked. So, that, that'll be important for um, people who are getting exhausted by Avernus. And it's dismalness. But even then, it's like, you know, you peel back some of the corners a little bit and you're going to find sadness and uh, horror behind, like, the false smiles of the Wandering Emporium. All right, let's get to the Citadel. Yes. So after you're done, uh, after your long two or three level travel montage, you can... So have you, have at this point, have you killed the fucking Hollyphant yet? Or are you just like, you are the fucking dumbest thing and you just <laughs> Actually, like run it through? That reminds me, there's several instances uh, where you could just be like, sure, you could kill the Hollyphant. <laughs> like, there's a couple of things where it's like, because she is a celestial, certain creatures are going to be more attracted to killing her. Or when you meet Archon the Cruel, he, uh, he has Vecna's uh, hand 
And yes. so, uh, to keep himself from being like dying from having Vecna's hand, he has to kill good creatures. And what do you know? Lulu the Hollyfan is a good creature. So you could offer her up to be murdered by Archon and he'll help <laughs> you out. And it's just like, I feel like you just want me to get rid of Lulu yeah. at this point. You're like, we, we haven't really made it feel enough like hell. Yeah, That's I, weird. So the rogue's standing in the party and the rogue's looking at the stupid little Hollyfant and the paladin. Hollyfant, paladin. It's like, uh, well, there's, uh, well, well, let's roll a die. <laughs> I was, I was interested in, um, like, what is the survivability of Hollyfant? And I was like, well, let me go look at her stat block. She's a CR5 creature. Mm-hmm. She has 36 hit points. I and I was like, <laughs> Fireball. I can just fireball her and she's dead. <laughs> but then I was looking down and she has an aura of invulnerability, which is a 10 foot aura that uh, radiates from her. And any spell of fifth level or lower cast from outside the barrier can affect creatures or objects within it. So she's just, she's like a souped up Rakshasha where she just can't get affected by certain spells uh, unless they're extremely high powered. And it's just like, you're just coming up with excuses as to why i can't kill this elephant <laughs> you have a barbarian in your party just rage walk in kill her yeah like cool um and then she has resistance to bludgeoning piercing slashing that's non-magical whatever and it's like she has some powerful things she has really really low hp she has a pretty high armor class for a cr of 18 and then she has this aura of invulnerability so it's like yeah this is our dmp npc she can't die <laughs> right exactly area effects don't hurt her and she has a fly speed of 120 feet, so sorry about you. Yeah. And, like, fine. You know, this the, you want the NPC to live, but, like, giving her an aura of invulnerability, like, just feels extremely like a cheap move where it's just like, yeah, she can't die. So, chapter four. We yes. finally were so close to the sword. I don't know if you noticed this, Chris, but all, like, the first letters at the start of the chapters are, is actually in the infernal alphabet. I did not notice Because I was looking at this, I was like, there's no way. Because it starts out with, the characters should be 11th level by the time they discover the location of the Sword of Zeriel. And I was looking at the first letter, I was like, there's no way that's supposed to be a T. But then I realized they're actually using the Infernal Alphabet. And I just thought it was a cool Which is in the touch. back. Yeah. There's a, the key in the back. It was a cool little touch that they threw in there. So the players finally figure out where the Bleeding Citadel is. Yep. And lo and behold, uh, it is slowly being consumed by Avernus. Shocking. Um, uh, and it's described as the scab. And basically, uh, this uh, hardened skin of Avernus is like trying to cover itself over the bleeding citadel, which is a very cool uh, kind of idea behind it. Um, and all throughout the scab are demons trying to like burrow their way in and find the doors to the bleeding citadel so that they can enter it. Lo and behold, they can't enter it because fiends aren't allowed. Sucks it even that. says, you know. They they probably have like a sign outside posted that says no girls allowed and the demons are like oh no, it, so chapter four go through you go through the you go th- underneath you go through I, oh, I forget what they call it the scab uh, the scab yes. you just said that and then you actually get to the temple yeah and there's but it seems like now all of a sudden we're here at the end and it's, they figured it they're like oh shit we probably should give them some experience and you are. Fighting your way through this whole fucking thing. Yeah, there's a it lot of non-stop. All this you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and now you're just like, man, we're gonna die. We're so we actually found the goddamn sword, and we got to get through here now. And you are just you're hacking and slashing your way through. Now, you, well, it's weird. Well, and and part of the 
I, I disagree that you're going to die because there's a lot of just like low CR creatures and it's like, you guys are level 11. It specifies in the chapter, you should be level 11. Right. You're fighting what? This room contains six gnolls. Cool. Gnolls are like CR half. Like that's not, you throw a fireball in there and you just continue walking past them. It's not a big deal. But then they'll change it up with, now there's a now Fashni and a three Bowsows. Bowsows. Jesus. Just see demons. There's three gorilla demons, which are, I believe, CR six each. And then the now Fashini is like CR higher than that. It's like the big pig thing. Yep. So it's like, oh, wait, <laughs> why, why were there gnolls in there? <laughs> and now there's like this fuck you party in here. And you're like, oh shit, we have to draw our swords. All right, yeah. let's go. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of weird that they, um, jump back and forth, like between like, this is going to be fucking like rip you open from the inside out and then this is just like yeah you your wizard with a cantrip can just murder everything and just you know not even break a sweat yeah it's just i don't know it feels like they just tried to pack it all in yeah that well the problem is you also have to get to 12th level by the time you actually enter the bleeding right and there's nowhere there's no other milestone to give you to get to 12th level yeah so if you get to the scab at 11th level you're gonna have to fight enough so that you're level 12 by the time you're out of the scab. So it it, it is a very strange uh, section. And again, it's, hey, you're going to level up uh, when you enter through these doors. No, we don't know how you're going to level up. We don't, we're not going to give the DM instructions as to what that's going to look like. But you're going to level up. Yeah. Which happens throughout this adventure, like we uh, said before. And it's just, ah, all right, cool, good talk. I mean, there are other DMs that like, you know, you need a week of training to level up. And I'm not saying that's good or right. Or you need a long rest uh, to level up. Right. You need like some sort of time frame so you don't just instantly level up. Because in my mind, that makes like the players look at you and be like, so how much experience was that last fight for? Right. Uh, I just... I feel like we did something in the story. Did we get experience it's for that? It's so tedious at that and point. And it's just... No, just... At the end of the session is when you start handing out experience. Well, unless you're 500 points away from your next level where yes. I will... And then you're like, the- hey, Steven, yeah. Steven. I'll, I'll be how, doing that Saturday. How much experience was that? Please, please. We're about to have a long rest. Can you give us experience, please? Yes, I will be doing that next week. <laughs> I bought a donut today. Can I get experience for that? 510 experience points away. <laughs> Tell you what, uh, go on a rampage through town and I'll give you experience. Yeah, great. So, yay, I'm eighth level and I'm dead. <laughs> Works for me. All right, we get the sword. Yes, Hooray! you enter the uh, the citadel, but you don't get the sword yet. No, we have to go through another fucking dream sequence. Yeah, this is more of a flashback sequence. Yeah, right? this is like a weird flashback sequence, but it's like you can affect the story. There's a lot of drugs being done in this game. Yeah, I don't know. Like, this is just like, hey, we want to come up with a reason as to why the characters are invested in Zariel. I really feel like they, when they're going down to hell, they passed through a membrane that was able to be absorbed through their skin of peyote because okay. all of a sudden they're just like they'll be walking around them it's like this one huge horrible vision and like oh we have to go to dreamland and you go to dreamland for a while you're like cool I w- and then you're back in hell you're like ah bad trip and then you're like dreamland it's- well i wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the book it said and then the characters wake up from the dream and they were never in avernus all along <laughs> i have because perf- watsy does not want us to go out into the plains god damn it i have the title for this episode <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so you you go into a dream lulu's memory of zariel's final battle against yinagu in feyrun which is the 
which I I appreciate the battle itself, Wait. not the dream sequence, but this is this is the crux of Zariel's descent into hell. This piece right here is where she makes the decision to revolt against the rest of her kind and go into hell and try and defeat the demons and devils herself. Uh, Inogu is actually okay. Inogu is how you're supposed to pronounce it, according to the pronunciation guide in the back. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, cool. Or not uh, the pronunciation guide in the front, not the back. Yeah. Uh, but basically, you are at a city, um, Idol Glen, which how on the nose can you fucking get Idol Glen? Yeah. All right, cool. Is an idyllic Glen pasture city i don't know. where everybody dies yeah uh basically you're in the middle of a knoll attack on this village um and why knolls all of a sudden there's a lot of knolls because there's a demon lord uh yinagu mm-hmm. uh who is uh the demon kind of prince of knolls and like they worship him and stuff and so it's just a really easy thing to tie it together okay uh because knolls can be like really really weak or kind of strong at like cr7 cr8 um but yeah, so this is this Plus, this breaks Zariel. This fight breaks her. This yeah, is when yeah. Well, that's because like the city is being attacked by her, and she's like trying to get the other celestials to realize like the demon menace is going to destroy us all, or like is going to destroy people that follow us. We should do something about it. And so she breaks after fighting Yinagu and just sh- jumps right into yeah. the into nine hells with her uh, group of hell riders. <laughs> well, some of them. <laughs> well, like they all go in there, and then one, like once a couple of them arrive in Avernus, they're like, "Yeah, now nah, we're out." Yeah, that's just, just that I immediately regret my decision. And then, like, uh, yeah, yeah, like a good chunk of her forces just leave, and they're and like, "Close yeah, it behind them." Well, they're like, "Yeah, we totally fought there." <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, yeah we no, did a great job. <laughs> it's interesting because you know they go in, and there's a first battle, and then Zariel defeats the fourth, the Null Force. They put a statue up for. And then the the ghost that's guiding you through the dream is just like, yeah, why don't you go and uh, wander around and chill out? Because it's going to get a lot worse. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, so there, <laughs> there's a moment where it's like, yeah, just go ahead and have a short rest. Because you're fine. fucked. <laughs> yeah. Because then they come back in and they wipe it out because Zariel shows up late. Yeah. And well, so Zariel, and- like, is, isn't able to come back right. until Yinagu is there. And it's like this horrible menace. And it's like fighting the parties and it like it specifies after three rounds yeah, uh, Zariel says, will show up and I, I was like three rounds I mean Yanagu is really really powerful is that going to be doable for level 11 char- or level 12 characters and I was looking at Yanagu's stats and I was like oh never mind not that powerful CR 25 ooh he's going to do on average what looks to be about 60 points of damage never mind yeah. they're going to be fine yeah so it's it and then I like when Zariel gets there you know, he, he's just like fuck off and steps back into a portal and disappears just like later um it, well, and, and she like shoved him oh yeah well she she pushed him in there you are very correct on that and then she's just like you know that's it she's like i fucking had it fuck you boss i'm out of here and goes down i mean this is, i like this part too because it is it fills a gap on why yeah, on yeah. what happened she so, finally got so tired of like demons attacking the material plane she's like we could do something about this Come on, homeboys. Let's go in there. Yeah. I know you guys got my back. You're not going to betray me. You're not going to go back out that portal and close me off here. Let's go. And then it's, oh, surprise Pikachu face. Yeah. 
The uh, I really like the uh, stained glass art in this too. Yeah, this they have some cool artwork of stained glass of like Zariel's uh, transformation of being an angel before becoming an archdevil. For all you lapsed Catholics like myself, you just look at this and go, <laughs> "I'd actually step foot in a church if they had this on the wind- on the walls." Yeah, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, some of it I don't like. There are a couple of aspects of this artwork that I don't really care for. Like, it, it is like the least memorable for me. But but it's it but. You've obviously never walked into a church that has stink. It's, it's. Oh no, looks, I was afraid I might get blasted. Yeah, I always I when I walk in now on the, those extremely rare occasions, I'm just like, hey, the roof didn't cave in. It's. It looks. It's supposed to mimic stained glass. It looks exactly like it. I think from that standpoint, they did a fantastic job. Although on the fi- the second to last picture, I really feel that Asmodeus is changing uh, Zariel into uh, Deadpool. That's Zariel changing, it even says. Yes, I feel like Zariel's changing Olafinus into a death knight. Right, and uh, Olafinus is almost Deadpool, but she keeps going. Anyways. So after the dream sequence, uh, you everyone awakens after Zariel gets, uh, jumps into the portal to hell, and now you can claim the sword of Zariel. And then things, yeah. I get very disappointed. Yeah. I get excited and disappointed at the same time, because... Number one, this chapter's laid out. I got so confused on this chapter. Oh, the next chapter? Yeah, because now we have to get the fuck out. Yeah, so it starts off with describing what happens um, if the players can get to Zariel and show her the sword and try to get her to redeem herself. It Then, after it does that, it then talks about how you're supposed to get to Zariel, which feels a little backwards for me. Yeah, it's like, I kept, I texted you last night. I'm like, I'm, I am a... I got the sword. Okay, this is all the things I can do, Zariel. How do I get there? And I text you. I'm like, am I missing something? You're like, go to the end of the chapter. I'm like, I haven't made the end of the chapter because I can feel like I'm missing something because I don't know how to get to it. And you're like, just keep reading. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I was reading chapter five and I was like, wait, <laughs> how did I? Are the DMs just supposed to come up with something? <laughs> this seems like a weird way to end this adventure where yeah. it's just like suddenly you're in front of Zarya. Right. I was like, did like I walk out of the temple and, he's, and Zarya's just like, stop. Yeah. I was like rereading it multiple times. I was like, I feel like I missed something. Yeah, that's, I'm so glad that you had read through. <laughs> did they forgot a page? Or, yeah. yeah. So uh, basically, um, it starts off with how Zarya, like you can redeem Zariel or you can, um, uh, help someone else destroy Zariel. Or you can bow before Zariel. Yes, you could serve Zariel. And then you can take over and hell. And then it describes, you know, a variety of different situations that can occur so that you can uh, finally get to Zariel. Because um, first you have to locate her uh, and you have to save the city. And, you know, like there's going to be different steps for saving El Turel. You could, like, you have to cut the chains and then you have to get the city out of hell. Cutting the chains just isn't good enough. And so like it specifies that there's going to be a wide variety of things that you have to do. And it's it's going to be a lot more homework for a GM for a final chapter than what most adventures are. But it's also extremely open-ended mm-hmm. and character choices can really affect uh, you know how things are going to go. Now, I'm curious if they're going to have a quote-unquote official ending. Like for if they were making a, a movie, yeah, like like because they can't have you know like well you decide audience what happens like yeah. they need to have like a set thing and I think probably what their set ending will be is that Zariel is saved, Elturel is saved, and Bell probably uh, assumes mantle as Lord of Avernus, mm-hmm. uh, except for ninety five percent of all campaigns that are played where uh, the murder hobos just kill everybody. I mean that. I mean, we're players, so we're just gonna walk in. We're gonna 
there's something else I have an issue with. They're going to want to kill as many things as possible. The entire book, this entire campaign can come down to one role. If you go in, if you walk in and you're just like, okay, we have the sword. Our whole purpose was to redeem Zariel. Yeah. Okay, make a check. Yeah, it is a <laughs> like, DC what? 25 persuasion check. Now you can get a, um, you can lower that DC Fif- by five if you have Lulu the Holly fan with you. Five more if you have the Death Knight uh, right. Ola with you, which you only meet him if you go the Path of the Devil. Right. So, or so, wait, no, uh, Path of the Demon, I think. It's one of the paths where you, like, is the only time that you meet him. So you have between a 15 to a DC 25 persuasion check to make Zariel be like, yeah, I guess I'll go light side. <laughs> right. So which brings me to most players are just like, fuck it, we'll kill her. Yeah. But I, that, that's crazy to me. It's a roll. One roll. This entire thing. And you're just like, okay, I'm making a persuasion <laughs> check. <laughs> uh, that was a natural one, but uh, my role playing was really good. Do I get points for that? Yeah. Uh, let me check. <laughs> but no. You're looking around the table. Inspiration? Anyone? Inspiration? <laughs> <laughs> I want to try again. Yeah. So, Everybody else has got their swords out. The rogues are already behind. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, rogues are like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> uh, it, so that was a little weird. Um, but I think this is a, I think this is a very cool development for them in a campaign where there's so many options on how it's going to end. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can bring Tiamat in to break the chains once you get past killing Zariel or serving Zariel or saving Zariel or Trying to kill Zariel and trying to rule Avernus. I mean, I mean, if people are going to know that's an option, there's going to be people that are going to want to do that. So they, 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 there's some interesting things. They tie in a lot of different pieces. Uh, it is a pain in the ass for a DM because unless you know your table really well and you've been able to read them the entire time, you're going to have to prepare for multiple different endings. Yeah. Because you know players are going to, you're going to be like, all right, they're going to save Zariel. They're going to save her. I got it all set. Yeah. we. I'm just going to run the sword through her. And you're like, oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. I want the sword. It's fucking powerful. <laughs> yeah. Which it's not. Oh, ew, it's pretty. It is not powerful. It is a at page all. and a half of stats. For a fucking artifact? Are you kidding me? I was so disappointed in it. Now, part of this is because I've been looking at, um, I'm doing that cursed items compendium so i've been looking back at all my old stuff and they had a all they had like a an old compendium of like magic items there were like four of them but and there were four of them in alphabetical order and some of them were just i mean granted this is back in second edition so they are mind-numbingly powerful as artifacts you're just like these are game-breaking kind of things so part of part of mine was being influenced by that because i was just reading through it like the night before mm-hmm. but okay great uh, my charisma goes up to 20 there's a good chance my charisma is going to go up to 20 anyways because this is like a paladin weapon this is what i see when i see a, oh, this weapon the first thing i think of is a paladin weapon yeah you turn into an angel yeah well you get great you get transformed into a really cute looking person of yourself you become lawful good you now have resistance to ne- all right so you can read speak and write celestial who gives a shit you have resistance to necrotic and radiant damage. I would say at this point, you probably have one of those already. I would say you... Well, not if you're a paladin. They don't get resistance to You're going to have something. I, I, I would bet to say what you might. What are they going to have? How? I don't know. Divine okay. Presence. Thank you for... Your charisma score. I would say there's a good chance it would be a 20. All right. Okay. Wings. Cool. I... 
I like wings. 90 feet of yep. fly speed and the ability to hover is great. Because then yeah. you know, you're great. not going to get knocked prone. Great. I like how you can attune the sword immediately, too. That was pretty cool. You get Tr- true sight? True sight. sight. It's cool, but eh, I want to hit shit. Okay. You get, you're forced to have new personality traits. Yeah. Great. Holy light. Ooh, I can see ahead of me. <laughs> the random properties which you roll. Searing radiance is cool. You get a radiant damage that by this level does nothing. Average of 25 hit points. Great. I'm pretty much going to hit it because I'm going to do more damage just hitting it. It's smart. You get an advantage on wisdom and in- insight. And that's it. What do you mean 25? What? Yeah. Searing radiance. You deal extra damage. Great. It's like 25 points of extra damage. Who gives a shit? I assume you would. I would, but... Okay, here's the other thing. Extra damage is extra damage. Uh, it doesn't have a plus enhancement bonus. Yeah, I know. That's where I'm I like... I noticed that. That's, um, that's where I was like, it's a plus nothing sword? <laughs> oh, that seems weird. That's I didn't notice odd. That. Yeah, and you know what? Two minor beneficial properties, those are fucking nothing. Uh, no, you could like cast spells or things of that nature. Uh-huh. Not very high level spells for minor ones. Well... well. It's a fucking artifact. Not all artifacts are of extreme power. They're just extremely rare. The it, artifact should, uh, specifies uh-uh. rarity, not no. power level. I fucking walk through hell, and this is what I get? I'd be pissed. I'd be like, have your fucking sword back. <laughs> sure. Okay. So that was uh, that. There's my rant. That was probably my, the one thing that drove me a little nuts. Ooh, one other good point that we said we we're going to bring up. In the vision where Zariel's fighting the gnolls, Hollyphant comes back as a fucking mammoth. I appreciated that. Yes. Well, I wasn't sure if it was a small mammoth or like oh, an actual mammoth. They show it. Specify. They show it. They they describe her as that's who shoves uh shoves the yeah. The, but they didn't specify she was a massive mammoth. Well, I would say she's a massive mammoth who's shoving a demon lord back through a portal. Because no, because uh, the demon lord's pretty fucking big to begin with, right? Yeah. I mean, demon lord is probably like huge or something. Right. Like that. So you kind of need a big ass mammoth to do it. Yeah. Well, like, she has the ability to shape change into a golden fur mammoth uh, with feathered wings and a flying speed. So I assume that it is into, like, a large mammoth. But they don't specify that. And I'm just like, all right, cool. So, yeah. So, I mean, I appreciated that. I said that I'd say I'd talk about that. That's what I said I was going to talk about. So I like that, you know. Um, Yeah. And then it is 53 pages of Baldur's Gate lore. Well, you still have to get Ariel back up. That's where Ariel Tiamat, can do that. That's where T- Ariel can do it, Tiamat can do it, or you have to go down and destroy the... Oh, the companion? The companion? Or, yeah. Which well, I don't think gave... That's about like saving El Torel and stuff. Yeah, right? but I don't think they gave enough information about the companion e- even in the beginning. There wasn't that much about what the companion was. It's a was. trapped solar. Yeah, I get it. And, they, and if you go down the path of devils, then you can get the nine keys to unlock the companion sphere right. to unleash the solar. Or you can use the sword of uh, Zariel to Stop break it. it open. But it's like, I didn't know about it. I'm definitely taking the... I mean, that's just something that you can, like, if that is, like, the path that you have to go, then that's something that you can add into yeah. your adventure for your uh, for your PC. It just seemed, like, random to me. I, I'm definitely going to beg Tiamat to fucking burn the chains, because I think that's fucking badass. There's another one that, I, you know, we had talked about that earlier. I was disappointed in her stat, stat block. I mean, d- meh? CR30? Yeah, she... Uh, poor... For being a CR30 creature, she's not that terrifying Ow. of a fight. And, like, I've seen several people uh, post, like, 
updated like horrifying tiamat stat blocks that are truly cr30 that take up like two pages and i was like yeah if i was going to run tiamat she would be fucking this yeah but you're because not- a cr30 creature should be more devastating than fucking like a terrestre that can get yeah. killed by a bunch of wizards casting acid splash on right. where this you're just like no please no no here's everything i own no please just yeah. don't eat me it you're not supposed to fight her. No, you're not supposed to fight her, which is probably good, because then people would realize that CR30 creatures aren't actually that powerful. Right, so so some more cool artwork. So yeah, so then we just talk about Baldur's Gate forever. We'll assume that everybody's a good player, and that they save Zariel, and she lifts the city back up, and it's all good, and yay, you won. Yes, and then the relationship between Eturel and Bar- Baldur's Gate get better. Yeah. I, I don't really care, again, about Baldur's Gate stuff, and I wish that the last 53 pages of this book were not devoted towards talking about Baldur's Gate and all the interesting things you can do there because you're only going to be in Baldur's Gate for a limited time. And the way that the uh, Chapter 1 adventure is written, like you are rushing from one place to the next trying yeah. to stop murders from happening. Right. You don't really have time to go out and go into the city and like rub shoulders with the, the locals and watch as your life is only worth a handful of copper. And that's why they throw it in the end to flesh it out, but Actually, it makes no sense. Let me... I'm going to read the first paragraph of Baldur's Gate. <laughs> and maybe you can understand why I why I find the city so edgy. Even the most hardened adventurers watch their steps in Boulder's Gate, where lives hold prices in copper and gr- greed proves deadlier than dragonfire. Boulder's Gate has a reputation for being a rough place, where crime, uh, where crime and opportunity walk hand in hand, and where anything can be bought, sold, or seized at sword point. If something can be given a price, it's for sale somewhere in Boulder's Gate. Drugs and poisons sit on shelves alongside tinctures and remedies. Trade goods from Chult, Mechanical Wonders from Neverwinter, Tomes of Magic from Kalimshan, and the most believable counterfeits of each can all be found in the city stalls. And then it just keeps going on about how you have to be hardcore to live here, and, you know, like, it's a dangerous place, but if you're strong, you can make it. And I just, I can't roll my eyes any harder than when I'm reading about Baldur's Gate. Which is interesting because, have you seen the trailer for the video game coming up? Uh, I think so. It's pretty short, but there's just dead bodies running everywhere. It looks like a guard or some a sort lot of, of orange. Yeah, some sort of somebody, some sort of fighter or yeah. guard runs around the corner, starts like gr- gasping at his cell, at his like throat, and then just falls over. Dead. Turns into a mind player. Yeah, like spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> if you haven't seen the trailer, it's like mm, what? <laughs> it, it, I'm like. You know what? If you're going to hang out in Baldur's Gate, bad shit's going to happen pretty soon, apparently. Yeah, and and I think what they're trying to do is encourage people to buy the adventures that normally wouldn't, like players and stuff that want to know more about mm-hmm. uh, the Forgotten Realms section. Instead of writing another Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, they're going to put a big section at the end of their adventures describing cities, specific cities, because maybe they... I don't know. Well, And again, <laughs> i not a fan, but I understand why they're doing it, and it makes total sense to for the development of D and the world that they consider the quote-unquote official world yeah so i get it and i think it's a smart move am i going to use it am i to expect to play in it no not my thing they should just republish one of their old splat books on the forgotten realms oh jeez, i want i want uh dragonlance to come back Oh, I do like Dragonlance. Um, all right. Yeah, so Baldur's Gate for 53 pages. No one cares. Well, certain people care. Well, uh, they the do other- have some updated backgrounds for yeah, Baldur's man. Gate. 
none of it's new background no. so it's it's just hey if you're from Baldur's gate this is how you're gonna be like this is in that is total fucking filler i know people that were like really digging that and i'm like what yeah. no that's you just can be part of a failed coup in Baldur's gate throw like i'm looking at the page you're in throw a throw a small picture in a corner on the bottom and the way it's formatted you just took up a whole bunch of space but not a lot of information yeah now they do specify in the end of the Baldur's Gate section that uh when characters are making their character for uh when players are making their characters for this event uh this adventure they should all have a dark secret that ties them together, which I do like, where right. it gives a reason for the characters to immediately be found together. And this dark secret could be something like, they're a part of conspiracy in Baldur's Gate um, that went awry. They're a part of a failed mutiny. Two, yeah. They're a part of a murder together. Uh, whether they did it or not, or they just know information about it, that could get them in prison. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like a holy paladin probably didn't slit someone's throat, but, but he might be aware of it and you know in and in certain courts might be complicit as part of it whether he he meant to be part of it or not do you see this as maybe them trying to either foreshadow a specific Baldur's Gate book coming out or maybe appealing to DMs that are want to do homebrew well i think it's just it it just helps the party be cohesive at the beginning because there's always going to be that question of why am i venturing with you gosh you're so stupid. Well, because the other guy we could recruit to sit at the table. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, some people lack the idea of it's a game, calm the fuck down, and just suspend your, uh, you know, your disbelief that you're traveling with someone else. That is part of the table because you're here to have fun as a group, not just by yourself. You meet at a tavern. Yeah. But everybody bonds over drinks. Yeah. I, I, and it just gives something for them to role play off of, which is nice and kind of keeps them together. Uh, the next part they have is Appendix A, which is Diabolical Deals, where it mm-hmm. talks about how, um, you can do like a skill challenge with setting up, uh, devilish deals and contracts and things of that nature, which I did find interesting, um, and had a lot of cool things in there. There are a couple of things that I had a little bit of an eye roll with, like, um, you have to hug a baby doll to seal a contract. And I was just like, okay, that's, I guess we're going for it. it's creepy. Yeah. But again, it's weird. Whatever. Yeah. All right. Like, cool. Appendix B, my favorite part of the book. Yes, Appendix B, Infernal War Machines. Take it away, Chris. Absolute favorite part of the book. The art, a little disappointing compared to how great the art is in there. But it's a concept kind of art, and I think they leave it a little bit to the imagination of what a player can uh, create. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The rules, fine. I'm good with them. I like the fact that they all have their own quote-unquote stat block and they do give them the stat block in in the back yeah the rules take up a column on a page and it's just it hurts you i know it doesn't hurt me i just it feels unfinished yeah well i think they're leaving it for a lot of homebrew options uh so no they're leaving it so that you know the rules can get out of the way and you guys can have fun with action soul coins I don't know if there was enough information given given about soul coins in the book. I mean, well, you have to read the magic item description for yeah, soul but coins. Where you're gonna just randomly find them laying on the ground in a well, no, like I mean, you can trade play, them yeah, for pe- them. You can uh, and, find them on dead people, right? And, and play in a lot of you know. There's a lot of things in the book yeah. that you can get them now. But- this is a decidedly evil act to put a soul coin into a hellish oh, machine. fuck yeah, it is. So I'm not sure how paladins and clerics are going to feel about it. Well, here's the other thing. Or, I- you know, anyone that values freedom or, like, you know, freedom as, like, spirit and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, you are 
destroying a soul every time you feed a soul coin into well, something. And that's my question, because I think I missed something in here. Okay. Because it says, ba, 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 if trapped in the furnace when the duration ends, the soul is destroyed. Not even divine intervention can restore a soul destroyed in this manner. Does that mean, like, if you're driving along and 50 minutes in, you can pull the soul coin back out and you save the soul? No, like, you... Put the soul in there, uh, the, the casing of the soul coin is destroyed, and then the soul is just being destroyed by the uh, the furnace. And I would say, like, the moment you do that, it is gone. Well, then like, that, there's no safety. Then that makes no, that makes no sense, then, that line. Uh, one sec. If uh, it's still trapped in the furnace, that means there should be a way to get it out of the furnace. Soul uh, fuel, second paragraph. Oh, I guess if it's still trapped in the furnace when this duration ends... Yeah, so, yeah, I guess if you, like, break open the furnace while it's being fed in there you're going to destroy your furnace but then the soul is going to be free okay so you and you can put a uh like as many soul coins as you want into the furnace so you mean you might have 20 souls in there so so, i know i'm picking on rogues so the rogues got all these soul coins the paladin's like you cannot do it that is just it's not right to destroy coins he's like look i got the end around here's what we'll do we're going to shove 20 soul coins in there that'll get us everywhere we need to be we shove them at the same time we got plenty of time. At 50 minutes, we'll just pop the door open and they'll all be set free. Two hours later, <laughs> the pound's like, have you opened the door? He's like, um... Well, we're still driving forward. So no. Yeah, I opened one and let one out and closed it real quick. <laughs> uh, well, I... <laughs> I do like how they gave him uh, nitrous. Yes, you can throw demon ichor in there. That's um, fantastic. Which increases the vehicle speed by 30 feet for a minute. But you have to roll d20 every round, and on a one, you get a mishap, and like part of your engine explodes. I do like the mishaps, given the type of machines they are, and where you are. It seems like bad things should happen more more often than not, yeah. and they do. And you're making some rolls, and you're just like, ooh, this sucks. Yeah. Now, the thing I found also really cool about it is, on the bigger machines, you can have... What's the biggest machine? You can have... Uh, the demon grinder. Yeah. Uh, one, it's a gargantuan. Two, yeah. So you can fit a bunch of people in there and eight. four people can be operating different places. Um, yeah. So. And then and the then other four, four can be hanging be on jumping the outside. off the goddamn thing. Which is awesome. Screaming witness me. So you're going along. Something breaks. You have blinding smoke now. You're like, oh shit. You can't see anything. Hey, Billy, get off the side of the thing and swing in your sword and come fix it. And while it's driving along, you can be in there trying to fix it. He's like, I don't have tinker tools. Yeah. <laughs> but you can fix it while you're driving it. I like that. But That's very Mad Max. But with disadvantage. Yeah, still, who gives a shit? Yeah. You can crash. And then my favorite part is where it opens it up. And it lets your imagination go crazy. Because they're like, fiendish variations. And they give you some. Nothing really that I was like, oh, I have to have that. But it gets you thinking. You're like, I could create one. That'd be awesome. I could create my own vehicle. Yeah. I could do this. Oh, I have a better idea than this one. I'm going to make it this. I think that's going to, I think that'd be a lot of fun for a lot of people. Fuck the motorcycle, man. Yeah, it's badass and you're driving around, but you have no offense. Well, no, that's weapons. for the Lone Ranger. You know, like, uh, like the rogue who wants to be by himself so he gets the motorcycle. Yeah, great. See ya. The first thing that runs up against you, you're going to be like, I have no offensive capabilities and you're dead. You win the fucking. <laughs> You're just driving along, and I mean, if you've watched Mad Max, you're just driving along, and parallel comes to you, uh, something, and just smashes into you, or something just drives across the screen and crushes you like a grape. They are great. I was biased against them in the beginning, thinking they would be horrible. The more I looked at it, the more I read about them, 
fantastic. Yeah. And they provide a bunch of different upgrades that you can throw on there. And there is, um, Mad Maggie can, uh, help mm-hmm. upgrade it. Or there's a couple of other places that you can go and trade some soul coins to get more upgrades for your machine. Yep. But the problem with it, again, for me is, you get this so late in the adventure that you like you only have it for like maybe like the last third, kind two of thirds. Dip- no, because you, you get, get it at level nine. Yeah, but when you get off El Torrel, you're like, oh, wait, no, you get it at like level seven. So is it maybe halfway through? Half, halfway half, through. Because uh, you end the adventure at level thirteen. So my uh. problem is, is that it's there's. A couple random, the first two, you drive past a creature, native, and it chases after you. Well, no, these are, while you're in a chase, these are things that could oh, happen while you're in a chase. It, there's no, there's no built-in, like, I feel like if you're going to get this cool S thing, there should be six fucking, like, scenario combats as you're getting yeah, to the sword. Yeah, well, like, I really not. Like, you're just driving in it. Ghost of Saltmarsh did a really good job where they introduced, like, ships and stuff and that that type of things. And then they had a couple of, like, small little mini-adventures mm-hmm. thrown in there. And I really wish that they would have done this with this, where they describe, like, two or three different, like, chases that happen beyond just, yeah, chases are a thing. They could happen. You never know. Right. Um, though there is one chase complication that they throw in, because they provide a chart for chase complications. And it's number two. Oh, yeah. Where <laughs> if your driver does not succeed on a DC 15 dex check, every creature inside the inside the vehicle takes 99 points of fire damage, which is 18 D10. And I was like, wait, where the fuck are you? Chase complications. Chase complications. Uh, if you roll a three on a D20. Oh, the t- fire tornado. Yeah. <laughs> every creature inside of it takes. You're dead. 99 18d10 fire damage on a failed dc 18 deck save inside the car and it's just like what yeah you're fucked what (laughs) you got sucked up into a fire tornado baby (laughs) yeah and then you're in a fire tornado and the the dm's like uh i don't want to run this anymore all right y'all live from the fire damage Okay, you're shot out of the fucking tornado 200 feet from the ground. <laughs> well, I mean, 99, That everyone's going to fall unconscious. All right. What happens if you get to the top of the tornado and you're 300 feet fi- well, high you know, and it I spits mean, like, you you're out? You're still on the ground when you get hit by it. I mean, I guess the DM can say you get sucked up. But, like, repairs on these machines are going to be a, uh, a pain in the ass because it takes an hour. Yep. You have to succeed on DC 15 dex check. Yep. And you only heal 2d4 plus 2 hit points yep. on the vehicle. But it doesn't stop you. You can keep going if you're successful. Yeah, no, like uh, this is. Or when they're yeah, when it stops, it must be stationary, gotcha. and then you can make, then you can start healing hit points. So, so with the mishaps, some of the mishaps you can fix them yeah. while you're driving. Yeah, the mishaps you can fix while you're driving, but actual restoring hit points you can't. So you better hope you have like a wharf ward or an elf on you who doesn't need to sleep. Uh, they only have like elves only take four hours of trance. So then while everyone else is sleeping for four hours, they can be working on the sh- on their on the little machines so you guys can start driving who's driving at the thing (laughs) anyways so magic items not impressed weak all Uh, the magic items here are really weak but that goes with the fact that all the monsters seem relatively weak i mean the 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 frost father matalok or what a mato talk whatever the matalok talk yes Great. It's the demon lord that has been trying to get out of the shield the entire time? Is yeah. that the right one? Yeah, I was confused but it was only a paragraph. Of- Fantastic. <laughs> You're immune to cold damage, and there's a burst of 3d6 cold damage. Every time you deal damage to a creature. So if you're a fighter with four attacks, you will be doing that four times during your turn. Fantastic. It's still, it's plus zero. It's, no. I just don't like it. I, I know. You 
You, you hate everything you know, in life. Legendary armor, flint dragon plate, plus two to AC. Cool. Which is insanely good. Yes. Though it is legendary, so you would expect right. it to be. And then resistance to poison and advantage on ability checks and saving throws. Made to, to avoid the grapple. grapple. It, it's I, under- that includes res- I think that includes restraining, too. It's because underwhelming to me. Yeah, it, it's fine. I, I, I don't... I really like magic items, but... I I really like Waterdeep Dragon Heist magic items because it was like lower level, and so they are forced to come up with a bunch of utility magic items. My son's playing that in his D and D club at school. Uh, I'm sorry for him because <laughs> I hated the adventure. Then we get into all the stat blocks. Um, creature stat blocks? Any it, issues? No, I mean it, it's fine. Okay. It, there a lot of these are reprinted from other books, yep. and then there's a couple of new ones. Uh, they fixed Zariel's stat block, so that there was actually a save you could make for one of her attacks that they didn't include in Mordenkainen's. Yeah. Uh, and then concept art at the very end, followed by an alphabet. So it was... Oh, you took the map out? I did. I the map uh, comes with a very, very, very nice uh, full-size poster map, which I was missing in Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Uh, but on one side, they have a big view of El Turel. So you can, uh, your players can be like, ooh, we're going to go over there, <laughs> all over the city. And i got to find a chain to go down. And then there's a huge map of Avernus, which is cool. Um, and like the players can be like, all right, so we are over here. We're going to drive over there. And, you know, like That's you the- roll 2d6 and maybe you'll get there soon. <laughs> Compared to the art in the book, I found the map of Avernus lacking. Uh, well, it, it it was supposed to be drawn by some other, like, in-character person that drove him mad. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't the, know. I like the map. I think it's cool. Um, and there is, if you get the Descent to Avernus dice set, it has, like, a mini little map on the inside of it, along with a bunch of uh, photo cards um, of, like, different devils and demons. It's just really cool. The dice roll like shit. Yeah, they do. <laughs> because Are they um, the dice or the person? I think it's the dice because okay. I roll well on all my other dice, but these ones I I, I was rolling like shit, and um, yeah, I never going to open them out of their box again. They're just going to be a display piece. Uh, so, Chris, what was your favorite thing about Descent to Avernus? The the fact that they were all once again doing drugs because there's so many weird things happening in hell and dream states. Okay. Infernal machines. I really really like them. If you can't tell, um, the adventure itself. <sighs> was a dragged in the it, it's like a movie where you say oh the opening's pretty cool and the end's pretty cool but man it dragged in the middle and i felt it dragged in the middle because you know we talked about that hi go here talk to this person go here it you're like ah, okay can we just get there already because then you get there and you're like okay i am fighting my way through all this shit i grabbed the sword now unless things unless i decide that i am truly evil and want to serve you know zariel and try to take hell over I'm fighting another big battle. Then I have to, you know, we might have to figure out how to get the city back up. There's a big, there's a climactic ending with a lot of different parts that could be moving. Yeah. But the middle is just drags. Um, so I liked, I did like the story. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but it needed a, it needed some more, I think, encounters in the middle. Even if they're random encounters while you're driving. I think there was some missed opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah, I really like Tomb of Annihilations, like their big section on random encounters. And it's not like you have to have random encounters, but it gives you a lot of good ideas as to how you can make not so random encounters, how you can make encounters uh and throughout like troll right. and make them like worthwhile and exciting for your yeah. players. And I think that it, that would have that would have just been I think a really good addition to but the middle. But then they'd have to take away a page from Boulder's Gate Shut Lord. Up. <laughs> so the thing I did notice 
about this, and I'd been writing them down. I forgot it, so I typed most of them down. I think the a lot of the art and the ideas within the story, I don't want to say are ripped off from, but are very similar to stuff that can be found in common media outside of the game. So I'm going to go through this. Everybody has made the analogy of Mad Max, Infernal Machines. And that was like their big selling point. And that was they were supposed to. their announcement. Fucking loved it. Great idea. Great tie-in. 100% behind that. El Torel is the city from Skyrim. Have you ever seen the the trailers for that? El Torel has been around longer than Skyrim. Right, but it's being held down by chains. Okay. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but. so watch the trailer. You'll see these giant chains come down. They're, they're holding... It, uh-huh. It's from there. Okay. Zariel's Flying Castle looks exactly like the Flying Castle in the movie Solo that the bad guy flies <laughs> I, around. I in. do have to agree on that because I was just like, oh, it's... Huh. Yeah. All the costumes, not all the costumes, but a lot of like some of the evil demon costumes with like all of these chains and all the crazed barb shit... Right from the Hellraiser series. Well, I mean, that it, been it, its true form since like one E and two E were true. introduced. And but it's like oh, the artwork. It's like I'm going to watch Hellraiser. I'm going to see some of them. There's a couple specifics. I'd, I mean, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Like they, I wouldn't they be used, surprised if they had like a they used inspiration, inspired them. artwork right. or inspired reading, like they do in the back of the player's handbook. And it's like mm-hmm. you know, Mad Max, right. uh, Hellraisers, the Stygian, Stygian. I think I pronounced it. Doc. That's in somewhere in Avernus. Let me see if I can find where it is. I had the page marked and I took the marker out. Where is it? It's a cool picture. It's a really badass picture, actually. Uh, but that is stolen from the third Star Wars. The play, the, where Obi-Wan meets, uh, Iannikin and they fight over the lava pits. So the sixth the big Star mine. Wars. But number three in the series. Yes. It, I mean, it is, it's exactly that. I gotta find it now. It's gonna drive me crazy if I don't. Okay. Um, this right there. That's it. Page 123. It's okay. exactly the fucking same. It, it, I mean, granted, they're over the river sticks, but the river sticks pretty much is a thing of lava. It's spitting out something. Are you, are you, are you saying that because it's orange, it's just the same? No, scene? but look at the, look at the movie. So yes. they got inspiration it is from that. It's inspired by a lot of pop culture. Finally, who's Lulu in modern pop culture? Come on. Lulu is fucking Dory. Half this movie is finding fucking Dory. Oh, oh, from Finding Nemo. <laughs> yes, oh, and you. Finding Dory. She got her own movie. No? Yeah, it's Finding it. Lulu is Dory. Oh, okay. So I mean, I was just I don't buy as it. I was going right. through that, I was like, okay, it's actually not a blatant ripoff, but I'm going to say they were inspired by a lot of different movies. I kept coming back to that. Do I have a problem with any of that? Nope, not at all. Well, maybe except for the Lulu and the Dory part. That kind of that part kind of drove me a little. I was just like, "Oh God!" Because in the movie, I want to kill fucking Dory too. Um, yeah, I want to kill him. How did generous. you get off on? Oh, because I asked you what was your favorite part mm-hmm. in Avernus. So, but these, but the pieces that they took, the Mad Max, uh, the Mad Max part, the 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 flying citadel, I thought was fucking awesome. El Torel, I thought was a cool visual. I liked how they. They were influenced by. I like how they took some of those and kind of twisted them and make them a little unique, and then put fucking badass artwork with them. I mean, really did. So story slow in the middle, great around it. The layout beautiful, art beautiful. Some really great new things in my opinion. Stephen, what about you? Well, I was going to ask, would you run this adventure or recommend others to run it? Yes, I would change some things as I think you're supposed to do. Um, I changed uh, chapter one. 
and chapter three. So chapter one is Baldur's Gate, and then mm-hmm. chapter three is all of the your princesses in another castle bullshit. <laughs> well, and see, I would change. Uh, part of it would be I'd change number one too, and I'd have more less running around like lunatics and more actually doing a couple of small adventures in Baldur's Gate to get there. Yeah. So your levels are a little higher, so I can change the stat blocks to make hell a little more difficult than it was. I think you can make hell difficult even at the same levels that they present in the book because hell isn't that difficult. It is mm-hmm. a lot of easy encounters thrown in there. I would I would change we talked about this before. Path of the Demons would be a bloodbath. Path, Path of the Devil would be more, you know, getting to fuck with yeah. them as devils. And I think explaining to your players, like, hey, Path of the Demons, you guys can go that way if you want a lot of combat. Or yeah. Path of Devils if you want to do a lot of, like, Role-playing. social Yes, yeah, social and interaction. Um, and I may take out one of the options at the end just for my own sanity so I don't have to change everything. Uh, but other than that, I don't think that's huge. I just add a little of my own to it you know what i mean exactly I my own a cup a little of my own panache Pinash. thank you that's the word uh, steven i really, would you buy the dice again no i wouldn't buy the dice <laughs> well i think they like the box that they come in is really nice i'm gonna leave them in the box there you go um and never take them out and <laughs> i couldn't even get like the d8 to roll nice for me so <laughs> i'm just never going to touch them again um but the book itself. The book itself. I I enjoyed the adventure. There were a lot of places where I just felt like it was being lazy, where it's just like, go here, go here, go here, go here. Like, oh, God. Um, and I think there's a lot of sections that I, I just would toss out immediately and rewrite completely. Like chapter one and chapter three, um, where chapter one going through Boulder's Gate and chapter three, all the uh, jump over to the next encounter, jump over to the next encounter type thing. Uh, I think you could do something a lot more interesting than what they present in the book here. Like, mm-hmm. I really like the idea, now that I've said it, like, of doing, like, this uh, Lost Minds of Fandelver and then ending up in El Turel at the very end and then just being sucked into hell itself. Okay. And then, like, you, like, land in El Turel in hell when everything is going, like, shit crazy. Yep. Instead of, like, several weeks or even, like, a month later, you end up in El Turel. You think you're going to a nice, calm place after doing yeah. this other adventure and then you're like what wait huh yeah and it's just like oh oh shit and <laughs> like i think there's a lot of good stuff in this book i really like that the stat blocks are in line with where you need them in the book but then there becomes a problem of referencing those same stat blocks. that's an easy fix yeah um and i would run this adventure i would have to make some changes to it but mm-hmm. otherwise i think i think it's a good solid adventure i'm really excited that they're going to start doing plane stuff i hope um <laughs> yeah really are you excited about that yes i really like planescape so i'm excited for them to do more with that and like the subclasses that they've been releasing on the ua have all been very mm-hmm. focused into the plane so that's going to be pretty cool what are your uh so you are currently doing a series on the planes. Yes, I am currently writing about the planes yes. on our website. So moving from Baldur's Gate, or Baldur's Gate, moving from Descent of Avernus to your hopeful next book on the planes, like a spell jammer or more of a you have to travel to various well, planes? Spell to do jammers is not Planescape. Yeah, but they could make it into it with the ships and everything. Not, not really. There's just too. I mean, like you can use spell jammers and play in our Dromunds. Well, I meant spell jammers as the ships. Oh, okay. I'm, so, I'm sorry, not the actual uh, setting. Yeah, no, no. I meant more of like use spell jammers to travel around to other planes. Are you, you just gonna bip bop? And I guess I, what I meant was, are you gonna use the spell jammers to get to places, or are you gonna? Is it gonna be about sigil? 
and then you're going to have to bop around and come back. I mean, to it really, sigil. it could be anything that you want. I, I mean, actually, if they were to write a book, do you if think they were to write a book, around? I think that they should uh, do it so that you start in Sigil, okay? Because Sigil is a very logical place to start something in the planes right. because you can get to different planes through all their portals and then eventually they um might move away from sigil into a different plane where they can have like their spell train their spell jammer or their planar drone and uh like available to them and they can just ride the astral sea and see that and, and and that's you could mirror this book and do that exactly because i can see it sigil bam you start off in sigil sigil is a bunch of lore everybody loves sigil i like going to sigil because i got a lot of shit there that you can buy and you can get lost really see you start in sigil like you start in Baldur's well, Gate. well i think people are actually sigil there's a lot of miserable people in sigil yeah um just depends on where you are you can then go and then they could milk this forever they could write books upon books upon books on this for the different planes you could yeah so you could go in the sigil just like Baldur's gate you travel to a different plane. You have to do all this kind of stuff at the plane. Instead of your infernal war machine, you get a spell jammer. Then you can, you at the end of the game, hopefully at the right, you don't die and you save the princess and blah, 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 blah. And you end up back at Sigil, i.e. Baldur's Gate. And then in the back of the last 53 pages, there's all this information about Sigil. And then the next book, same kind of thing, except now you can use your spell jammer to get somewhere. They could just copy this kind of format and just pump out books for n- forever on all- every different plane. I, I don't do that. Please don't do that. Just because you're writing some great articles on the planes right now. I just think it would be something that they could do. I think I'm just confused as to like your, your examples, but how? Well, you're just never mind. <laughs> I thought it was pretty clear. Okay, I, I I I'm hearing what you're saying, but not what you mean. Anyways, what about you? So you're hoping already. The planes are the next one. Yeah, I, I, I would love to see more plane stuff, um, especially now that they're like, I mean, they've, they've been doing a bunch of old adventures and like Ghost of Salt Marsh was all their old adventure, like yeah. all their old good sea adventures. And before that was Tomb of Annihilation, which was them taking Tomb of Horrors and rebranding it. And then like they done Curse of Strahd and several others. And so I hope that they kind of. Like, if they're going to take an old adventure, I hope it's, like, one of the Planescape adventures and fleshing more out about the planes. Because right now, they don't really do anything about it. They're still way too focused on Faerun. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're going to stay focused on the Forgotten Realms because they're really invested in it. And yeah, they are now. I mean... So, you you watch and read a lot more than I do about what uh, Watsi's doing moving forward. What's the what's the rumor mill pumping out that the next big thing they're going to put on? What's what's it going to well, be? Well, the next thing that's coming out is Eberron, right? Um, which will be in November. After that, uh, like there hasn't been any releases about it, but because of the subclasses coming out, it's leaning more towards something to do with planes. Okay, so, so is Eberron going to be official when it comes out? This time? Yes, it should be official when it comes out in November. Okay, cool. <laughs> but um, there, the it, it's probably going to be maybe it's going to be a fifth edition manual of the planes, but they don't really. It's probably going to be more leaning towards Mordekainen, or not more, uh, more like Xanathar's, okay. where there's a bunch of player shit at the front of it, mm-hmm. followed by hopefully some manual of the planes type stuff. Okay. I, I don't know though. Like, is Eberron, uh, and again, excuse my ignorance. Is I will not. Eberron going to be a adventure? Uh, or is it so going to be? Eberron is going to be a settings book with a uh, new class, uh, the Artificer, maybe Turrets? some other. Yes, the turrets are the yes. Um There's going to be a couple. There might be some subclasses thrown in. I don't 
think so. There's going to be all the stuff that was in Wayfinder's Guide to Ebron, so all that setting stuff. Right. The dragon marks, the feats. Are they going to, is the word is that they're going to update them at all? Uh, I think there'll be a couple of like errata changes, but nothing major. Can they please change the Warforge? I don't think so. Um, and then there's going to be a level one adventure, uh, focused on, in Sharn, which is like the, uh, like the main starting city of Eberron. And so there'll, it'll just be, uh, an adventure from level one to, I think, level two. So it'll just be like a quick thing of just getting your feet wet in Eberron. Oh, cool. That makes sense. That'd be, that, I don't know. I don't know if I'd buy it. I might borrow your copy. Uh, I'll buy it so I can talk about it on the podcast. Um, oh, shit. And, I'll have to buy it. And there'll be, I forgot about that. And oh, also they're going to provide a pricing guide for uncommon and common magic items. So people are oh, excited awesome. that there'll be prices for set magic items in Eberron, but I'm, you I, use... I saw their pricing guide in Ghost of Saltmarsh, and I have no hope for that. <laughs> because they were like, yeah, sure, 50 gold sounds great for this. And uh, it's just like, holy shit. Because you're a... using, what is a guideline? There's a good Same one out magical there. magical prices. Yes. that's You a... say a good one. Have you looked at others? Uh, I looked at some like on Reddit where people just seemed like they were throwing darts at a dartboard, but that was about it. Uh, all right. Any uh, final closing words there, Stephen? So we both, I would say we both gave it a, what would you give it on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, passable. So five? No, I. There's a lot of good things in here. There's a. There's a couple of spots I'm just roll my eyes. Um, bad, but give it a number. I'm not giving it a number. Come on. Uh, I'll give it a descent to Avernus out of ten. Jesus Christ. I. I. If I had to, I don't know. It, it was like a good solid you, B. You'd play it. Yes. You'd make some changes, but you'd run it and play it. Uh, you'd yes. run it because you'd. I'd run play. it, and um, I mean, if someone wanted to run it, then I would, and they wanted me to be a player in it. Um, then yeah, I, I would play it, but I would definitely take a back seat so that the other people at the group that probably don't know it uh, can like pull the story, and I'll just you know be there to hit things whenever we finally find combat. Cool. And I'll be the one like drinking demon at core and screaming, "Witness me!" as I jump from one machine to the next. Excellent. All right. Well, unless you have any final words, I think we're actually done with our two and a half hour review. <laughs> uh, only at two hours. Oh, that's not bad. All right. All right. Well, uh, next time, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but it's probably not going to be a Vernus more. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see. I think on the next podcast, we have some new UA that won't be that new. Uh, so maybe we'll just do a quick blurb on that uh you know for our uh patrons suggestions always taken we do you guys have given us some good suggestions on deep dives so patrons if you have ideas let us know you always get to vote on things anything we want to uh well we are talked about gm binder if you like what we've done uh consider supporting us on patreon uh check out our show notes or we'll have a bunch of links to things that we've worked on that uh kind of fall in line with descent to avernus and uh join our discord uh we'd love to have you on there talk about it you can tell chris that he's wrong for liking certain things you can tell me that i'm an idiot for not liking the 53 pages of Baldur's gate lore and how the forgotten realms is the best setting ever and steven you're an idiot uh which you know i've heard from a lot of people so i thick skin towards that who are a lot of people you <laughs> just okay. you i agreed with you <laughs> anyways yeah uh we also have our website at dumpsteadadventures.com or we're on twitter at stat underscore dump did i get that right and we also have a face uh facebook page at Dumpstat adventures lots of places you can check us out feel free to check us out and steven say goodbye